0: to another episode of Pod Like a Hole. In season three, we are running the gamut of all of our favorite bands, artists, and things. Um, this episode, I have landed on one of our favorite bands, the Deftones, or as some boomer dad would say as they're elbowing us into the ribs, more like the Tone Devs, huh? Am I right? Haha. Huh? Uh, more like how tone deaf that joke is, <laughs> All right. Anyhow, working through some stuff with my old dad, old man. Um, But w- last episode, uh, your three hosts took you through the history and of our own personal history. And we analyzed. We didn't just take you through a history walk. We analyzed. We talked about each of their records and their catalog and their discography. But tonight we are going to break open and really put one album under the microscope. And that one album is from June 2000, White Pony. Uh, I'm very excited to be talking about this one. And I didn't bring just myself to talk about the Deftones White Pony. I also brought along my two faithful friends, Eric and Steve. Let's hear from Eric first. Eric. Eric. Hey, Mark. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking about the Deftos. Well, great, Eric. I'm glad that you can be with us in spirit and not in the physical form. We still have not seen each other probably since the recording of the Station to Station episode back in the early days of season two. Um, I'm sure we've seen each other sporadically um, here and there, but not in a recording. Maybe that'll change one day. Maybe, maybe not. And where we did that recording was at our dear dear friend's um house on the hill, uh Steven. That's right. That was in Are you in the basement or are you upstairs? I'm upstairs.
1: No, I'm in the uh the office. Also known as the toy room. Work and play can be had here. That's how you uh keep yourself
0: balanced. That's right. You gotta keep L I V I N, baby. That's what keeps the dream alive. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. So it's
1: really just off to the races tonight.
0: <laughs> I try. I'm, um, you know, the banter. It's alive and well. Um, so I think we uh we've we've certainly harangued um, the Deftones speak, but a uh, little, little album background on White Pony. So yes, it was released June 20th, 2000 on Maverick Records, produced by Terry Date, uh, one of their longtime producers. You could say he was their Brian Epstein to the Beatles, or, um, but he was very prolific with the Deftones. It was r- recorded at Larrabee Sound Studios in West Hollywood. In The plant recording studios in Sausalito, so a little bit of northern, a little bit of southern California oozing through this sound. Uh, this was their third record, and this was also the first time they had Frank Delgado be a full time member. He got promoted from being a featured guest, so good work for Frank. He's now on the payroll. Um, he's earning those checks on this album, and you betcha. Um But I mean, I think we'll actually get into the nitty gritty. We'll talk a little bit about the influences. We'll talk a little bit about the song structures, how it compares to maybe some of their other work. And we also have some special guests that show up on this record as well. So that's fun. So let's get right down to it, unless there's any housekeeping, anything through the news wire that needs to be mentioned. If so, Eric... That's your department. Oh boy,
2: thanks. Nothing, nothing new since uh, since last week on our part one episode. I think we covered it all. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, you know, summer break, schools out for summer. That's new.
0: Schools out, baby. It's. I, We're not covering any
2: Alice Cooper this 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 season, unfortunately.
0: Crank it up, crank it up. Freedom rock. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The De- the Deftones did release a uh, a
1: remix of a song this week off the Ohms album. That song Ceremony. Remix of that came out.
0: Did you listen to it? Or is that Eric's is that an Eric job to go listen to Yeah, I, to the I, I, I
1: believe that that's intern work. Yeah. <laughs> I let me guess. You didn't do it, did you? I have I
2: have my own remixes for this album to listen to, okay? Listen. I'll I'll get to it, alright? I'll I'll record an amendum addendum. He didn't. <laughs>
0: the remix man remixology um was that a r kelly jam the remixology or am i thinking of something else i'm thinking of something else
2: that sounds right we'll just leave that there (laughs) listeners r kelly r kelly fans at home let us know
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) text one for yes two for you no um so Here's the deal with this album. There's a couple different track listings. Uh, So in the initial release, and even if you look at the 20th anniversary release, uh, there's a little bit of contention about what is exactly track one. But we're going to go ahead and do it the way, not that God intended, because uh, the way that God intended, apparently the first track uh, is not featured. But we're going to do it from the white album cover reissue um and if you're streaming it on the streams i'm sure if you just go to your white pony uh record you'll see this as your track one that track one is called back to school parentheses mini maggot oh my god so yes i apparently tripped over my tongue it is back to school mini maggot let's hear a little bit of that
3: so run, right, right back to school, chase, look back, I sift through all the clicks roaming the halls all year, making me sick, while everyone's out trying to make the cut, what, and when you think you know me right, I switch it up.
1: Mini Maggot, the opening track in my book. This is how the album should open. I cannot remember if I, I... I bought this album upon release. I remember it very well. Lived in the Rockland, California apartments. was very excited when it came out. Uh, like I discussed a bit in our little uh, mini interview episode with a couple of Deftones adjacent fellows. Uh, Joey reminded me that there was a, a red and blue version of this album that came out and I cannot remember which one I got, but I do remember getting the album upon release, which is odd because as long as I can remember it, I re- I thought this was how the album opened. Um, but it was only added to the album later upon a, after the, the, the label said, Hey, we're not hearing enough, uh, not hearing enough, enough radio catchy hits here, you, you guys are experimenting too much. For the love of God, can you can you put something out, out that uh you know the kids can wear their hats backwards to? And that was this. It was released as a single, and later they re released the record with it as the first track. Uh, Chino Moreno has gone record that he feels like they kind of gave in, and he wished they didn't do that. But sometimes the artist is wrong. And the album should be listened to in the sequence we're discussing tonight, which is opening with Back to School, Mini Maggot. The song itself, it is kind of a... It's the most uh, of the time new metal sounding song on here. But it it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, Break Stuff or Nookie, for God's sakes, or Bartender by Head P.E. It sounds like the Deftones. To me, it sounds like it actually kind of picks up uh, uh, where be quiet and drive leaves off a little bit not as longing but uh some of the spaces they leave open with the the guitar riffs uh just gives me uh, you can tell it's the same band it's the heaviest track on the album it sound er, er, I take that back not the heaviest track on the album but definitely sounds the most around the fur ish of the record And I think that's a great opening track because it kind of takes you from where the last record left off audibly a little bit there. Uh, At the same time, while it does kind of pick up where they left off, it also does say uh, there's lyrics throughout it talking about moving on and now for the next page and and, in lines like now for the next page shouldn't work. They're almost uh, Fred Durstian, but the delivery in this track, it does work for me. The whole song kind of speaks of a transition. There's kind of a going to school or graduating from school vibe to it. But at the same time, this album constantly talks about mutating, hatching, evolving, transitioning. Uh, The band was transitioning into a more mature sound. And even though this song is probably the least mature song on the album, it still has that subject matter on top of that it is also a uh, a cousin to the last track uh, very blatantly you you'd actually you'd actually have to try not to find a comp- uh, a thread there they share some of the same lyrics they share some of the same melody albeit this is much more sped up and aggressive and uh, what the band did was they took that last song and when the the studio is asking for a single. They rebuilt it as a single. That's a, uh, that's my opening thoughts on this
2: track. What do you think about this track, Eric? Yeah. Complicated. So it's uh, first of all, not my white pony, not my white pony. And I, I just mean that in the sense that like, I always heard about this song and I probably saw the video or something when I was like, but like this was not on my, on my copy of white pony. I had, I I'd, I'd bought in the original run. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I kind of read about it before I, 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 I slapped it on my uh, my playlist in front of the album, kind of expecting to to not like it um, just in the, in the sense that it was a not so much on their part, but a cash grab from the from the label, and they just retooled you know, Pink Maggot. Um And the lyrics are pretty, you know, you know so- sophomoric at times, you know. Uh, like when he's like, and when you think, you know me, I switch it up. And like, uh, just kind of it's rapping. It's not, it's not blowing my socks off rapping, but it's still better than say your, your Fred Durst, as you said. Um, and then that, that, that pink maggot, uh, hook is, uh, is infectious. And then I, I just, I, there's something kind of, kind of, sad about adults. I, I guess this is more of my own issue. I, I wasn't crazy about my high school years. And I look back, especially the later ones. Uh, I'm just glad it's over. Um, and like, even when I was listening to it in the car, my daughter said, why is there a grown-up singing about going back to school? Uh, and, and I, and I, I, I see what she means, but at the same time, I, I did get swept up by the song. Eventually there's an energy to it. Um, and it is immature, as you said, Steve. Um, but it's, uh, it's just kind of, it's almost an anthem. It is an anthem. And that video, while at times is just like this slacker's dream of suddenly like skating through school and is the coolest kid and locks himself in the principal's office and stands on the desk and goes on the intercom and raps the song. Uh, so silly. But at the end, like when the music cuts out, you just hear all the extras that are in this high school gymnasium singing that hook. And it's like it's like a sweet moment. It's like a it's a nice little anthem. So I guess in the end, not my white pony, but hearing this song open and then hearing Pink Maggot end it, it is thematically pretty satisfying for a guy like me that likes those bookends. So I'm gonna go ahead and say thumbs up. Keep it on the album. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, to. Do uh, the back to school
1: thing, I mean, the way I look at it more is like back in school, we were the leaders. Not like we're going back to school or we are schooling these other bands. Uh, the the drowning pools, the limp Bizkits, the non points, the uh, was it El Ninos, whatever. This is how it's done. We're not even doing this style of music anymore. By the way, this is probably about as good as this style of music can get. And, uh, we're moving on ourselves, but, uh, you know, I do agree. This is, this is how you do it. If you want to do it. I think if
2: there's, if there's a, if there's a metaphor in the lyrics, you're exactly right. He's, he's taking this new like new metal rap stuff to school and, you know, clearly like dropping the mic on the way out.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 uh, working in uh, cool Keith lyrics and, uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit still, even in this, which yes, it does, I mean that video. I think might have been directed by a guy who directed Britney Spears videos. It does. I I, I enjoy the video. The single was one of their more popular singles. That video was pretty popular. Uh, there's a a, de- a discman makes an appearance, which is fun. Uh, yeah, there's a Shawshank Redemption moment where they lock themselves in the uh, in the, the the principal's office and start saying something over the loudspeaker, and it 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 does remind me that uh like I, I think that half the all the bands pretty much wearing dickies and and black shirts like they typically do, and I, I looking through the Deftones throughout the years, I mean the amount of dickies these guys wore, uh, <laughs> like they had a, they must have had like a wholesale account at that Joe Sun shop that used to be on K <laughs> yeah. like right next to K Street Records. You guys remember that place? Yeah, was, uh, yeah, that yeah, was all it was all working man carpenter pants, and uh, it was right next to the K Street Records where the uh cover for the album introducing by dj shadow
2: was taken maybe some ben davis thrown in there but yeah
1: oh yeah definitely yeah there's a lot of ben davis going on and uh yeah i like that video it is it is it is silly and you can even talk i mean gino moreno looks a lot older than those kids i don't think they're he's supposed to be a teenager (laughs) if he is it's uh my goodness that goatee is looking even uh even more suspect than it already already
0: has What, what do you think mark just uh bird dog and chicks right you know as they get older we they still stay the same age um no it's uh it's a i i kind of landed on the same uh perspectives that you you both did so Initially, I still never thought that this should have been the album opener. It definitely seemed in the reissue like, okay, they needed to tack on another song. And when it came out again uh, with this song being the lead off track, I was like, Jesus Christ, they've already released two different special editions in two different colors. You have a black or a red version. And that also had a bonus track called the boys Republic on it. And Then like a year later, this one comes out and, you know, the band themselves were like kind of, they were definitely irritated by the fact that it got reissued with this track because they're like, Jesus, our fans are going to fucking hate us for just feeling like they're just not getting the full album treatment. Um, But, you know, to your point, when you look at it from a book ending, uh, you get kind of a this is a different feel for it. I mean if you kind of look at the whole record now as a uh fully realized piece of art, um you kind of like this bombastic um intro and as the album progresses and goes uh ends with Pink Maggot. Um Pink Maggot is pretty dreary and uh in in terms of its sound. I wouldn't necessarily say the message of Pink Maggot, but we'll get there when we talk about that. But back to school, um it's not so much like uh going back to relive your glory days, trying to break down those stupid clicks that when you're in high school is pretty much your entire universe if you're not fitting in, which is garbage and I do like the message that is overall said here and in pick maggot that if you just have confidence in yourself, you can achieve anything and I like that that's that's a good message for for the youth. And to that point, Mark, it is a good message to the youth. The video does show
1: <laughs> caricatures of all types of uh, kids rocking out together. But also, let's think about it. The, they, they probably didn't plan it this way, but uh, along the way, the Deftones did become what I call call a four-quadrant band, much like Depeche Mode, where the jocks, the goths, the metalheads, the, uh, the pop fans, um, all of them... Can find something in the deft tones to enjoy, and I think they have a pretty diverse cross sections of fans, especially at this point. So that you kind of that that ties in thematically to what some of the song is saying.
0: Absolutely, I mean um, the fact that it they you may be siloed into your clique, but at the end of the day, you know we could all be doing this together. And that I feel like with the cheerleaders and the athletes, the jocks, the stoners, all in that music video. Music video is uh hilarious in a good way. You know, you got Chino walking on the cafeteria tables. You know, it's um and I do agree with the point. It is essentially um throwing a middle finger at the fact like the record label said, go and make a hit. And they're like because I'm sure the record label was looking at Nookie just tearing up the airwaves um and the other stuff. And, you know, uh, they had to throw a little bit of hip-hop element. You know, we noticed this album doesn't have a whole lot of hip-hop. You know, I feel like we're missing on something. You know, like, I think you guys should make a, uh, a hit song that, that sounds like that. And we took it, and they ran with it, and they also dunked on those people who, quote-unquote, think they're on the same page. Uh, so I, 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 I like that. Um, it doesn't really necessarily have... it. it It's able to do two things at once. Um, It's not my favorite Deftone song, but I'm so glad that it exists because it does, it's the departure point. Um, It's kind of leaving some of this new metal sound behind where there's hip hop influences. Um, Because if you look at the rest of their catalog, essentially after this, I don't really, nothing stands out for me where Chino's doing this hip hop delivery. Rap.
2: I think that's Rap I think rock. that's the uh, the swan song for that.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm sure I'm sure there's a song buried
1: here or there, but yeah, definitely it is not a go to, and uh, I might I might even be wrong in that. that that this might be the end of it. It's definitely the it, it, if it's not the end of it, it's it's the last single for sure that uh, has that type of sound at all.
0: Yeah, but I I do agree with Stephen. I think that it does deserve its place on the album proper. Um, yeah, it's a good track. I, I really like it. I mean, I do think that it says goodbye to the past a little bit and it tells the audience um, we're on to the next page. And uh, with that, I think we can close out this talk on mini maggot back to school and go into our next track, which was kind of seen as the album introduction proper. It is Fata Era.
2: Steve, uh, it's Portuguese, uh, this, or that, that word is Portuguese. So, um, if you have any, uh, people listening that uh, with a discerning ear, I do apologize if I butchered that. Um, because, uh, this uh, fetus era was, uh, is a reference to, um, and I could have my facts wrong here, but it is reference to, um, uh, Brazilian women and, and, perhaps a specific Brazilian woman, um, uh, Joanna, uh, Prado, Prado, who, uh, had a exercise. She was a sex symbol, like a play playboy playmate from Brazil. Um, and she, uh, she had a show called in shape with fetus Um, that was a, a big success, but, um, uh, there could be another definition for it. And I could have just Googled uh, one thing and decided, Hey, a playboy playmate Chino would sing about that. That makes sense. I could, I <laughs> could be wrong. Uh, but the song itself is about uh, is it's, it's a storytelling song. It's a song about uh, someone who has been kidnapped um, and uh, it, specifically like um, like lyrics, like soon, this will be all over. Um, and then uh, the soon I'll let you go. Um, and it's a pretty intense story. They're, they're kind of turning away from some of the relationship songs uh, that, that do take up a lot of the previous albums. And this is just, uh, you know, this is a kidnapping story. Um, it starts with, uh, a echoey reverby drum beat and, um, a, the guitar tone that's going to define this album, which is, uh. Just, just swooping, echoey, very Cures-ish, um, and, and then it gets kind of right into it. This particular track, um, I like it. I think it's an energetic opener. I think this song is searching for a melody, and it doesn't quite find it. And I think, and the only reason I say that is because the rest of these songs don't seem to have that issue, um, but the Suit I'll Let You Go, Suit I'll Let You Go part is extremely catchy, and at some point in the last third of the song, it turns into kind of a shoegaze jam. Um, where the repetitive guitars and drums really lock in um, for a satisfying uh, opener or, or a track two, depending upon which white pony this is for you. Originally a, a track one that is a track two,
1: which uh, as I've said before, a good track two could be a track one. So this, this works on multiple levels here. This is uh inception and it's an, it's, it's an insane album opener or follow-up to the last track or the last sound they used to have. It's uh, the They kind of step up to this level on this album and keep keep on this track and keep it going from here for the rest of their albums. Uh, a lot of showing and not telling, dark imagery. Uh, I'd say the lyrics... Chino sometimes, from this point forward this band, a lot on this album, it dips into possible English translation of romstein songs it's uh there's a level of darkness to the lyricism that in uh, a lot of uh dark erotic, uh, sexual sometimes violent imagery um exploitive yeah uh, I don't know you might want to show your math on exploitive well
2: i mean like a, like an exploitation film it's more what I mean like uh you know like like sex and horror together that's that's all I meant Okay, like uh, eight, like the classic eight millimeter, yeah. That uh, that opening, that that
1: boom, boom, bap into the uh, the the, the fuckum, and that uh, with that driving riff is a excellent way to uh, open the track up. Um, the the cadence of of the the first delivery of each word in the verses with the beat is a very awesome, neat trick it's like that. Surprise us in the in the way that the beat hits with it. I, I love that. Um, at about the minute and 23rd second mark of the song, you kind of get your first taste of this. Uh, oh, we're going to have atmosphere on these records when they go into the when she touches the machine's new murder section. And there's this really syrupy atmosphere section. And I'm going to use the word syrupy a few times tonight uh, nighttime, syrupy. Mm hmm. Not being able to see what's right in front of you, they really nail that atmosphere on this record. There's a there's a whole like a, a haunt to it. Um, that that should I let you go section is incredible. That is some menacing vocal work. And what's interesting about it is that it sounds like a monster is singing it, but at the same time you can bob your head to it, which is a fun trick. Yeah, I, I think this is a great. All of a sudden they come out of nowhere showing you all these new tricks that this band can do definitely still the same band, but you've got a new type of lyric and storytelling. You've got some different vocal stylings. You've got some different vocal effects. Pretty, pretty awesome song.
0: I quite enjoyed this song quite a bit too. Um, if you think about it, it does lead itself is a great album opener. Um, if you going to go back to the original track listing It kind of reminds me a little bit of we haven't talked about it but we will talk about this record this season is the leadoff track on faith no more's angel dust i really see some land of sunshine um in this i don't know if steve if you agree with me or disagree with me as the other faith no more super fan
1: i'm i'm nodding my head there's a yes obviously they're fans of faith no more. I'm sure there's like 52 interviews where they said it. And uh, I can definitely see a intensity parallel there. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm really, I'm really hearing it now that you say it too.
0: Yeah. Um, And Chino does this thing, his vocal delivery on this song where he says like the first three words, give or take just an estimate uh, really fast. And then, and That fourth word, he really likes to sustain it in a very sing-song way. Um, I feel like Mike Patton, you know, was the master of doing this sort of delivery. Chino um, has got a different type of sing st- uh, singing style. It's it's definitely very breathy. It's not as he doesn't have that baritone um, that uh, Mike has, um, but. Yeah, this is a great track. I I think the way that it kicks off with Steven Carpenter or Steph Carpenter, um, like his guitar work sounds like a machine, uh, which is perfect for the actual lyrical content. And certainly it is about kidnapping. It certainly is has this creepy element. And one thing about Chino's songwriting is this album does more storytelling than I feel that the last two records before coming into this record. It was more about personal experience and feelings and this and that. But now we're actually seeing a whole new side of his songwriting style. That uh, is not so much like he wants to do these things. It is more just a story that's unfolding, and I, I appreciate that. And I think he's been on record saying that he, that's how he approached his songwriting on this one. But Fede Sarah, uh, it's a good track. I like quite a bit. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, could you could you imagine like? Uh... If we if we were if we were asked Mike Patton to show his receipts on uh, where some of uh you know hey are you the guy you sing about he'd be in big trouble so uh, yeah I don't think that's really the case and also also both men uh, less pronounced with Mister Mike Patton but uh, both men
2: are fans of the goatee
3: <laughs> absolutely
2: point uh, out last year they released the Black Pony which is uh, the 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 side B of the White Pony. Looks-
0: black stallion
2: black stallion thank you black stallion it was the it, uh, it was a 20th 25th anniversary 20th anniversary re 20. 20 reissue yeah that would make sense 2000 uh for white pony and the, the the black stallion was the remix disc and we'll be talking about these because it's it's actually a pretty good disc they get some pretty good remixers that have fun with it and um one of my favorite hip hop producers of the, um, late aughts through the 2010s is clams casino. He, um, does a really just kind of simplistic, um, sludgy, slow production style on beats. Um, he's done stuff for, uh, for like, uh, I think he's done like Aesop Rocky and, 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 Lil uh, maybe not Lil B yeah, Lil B stuff like that. I don't necessarily listen to that, but I just love his beats. They're, 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 they're very good. And he does a remix of this. It's very short, but it's swampy. And, um, you get, you, you get the feeling of how you could uh, chop and screw the song into, into hip hop, which works, which works. His well. name is clams casino. Huh? Correct. Clams casino. Uh, I'm sure much, much of our audience, much of our audience is like, yeah,
1: old man, you haven't heard of clams casino. No, no, I've not, I've not listened to clams casino, but I do like
2: it whenever an artist names himself after SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, I was going to say uh, it's a dish. Clams Casino is a dish. I believe that's what Lips Manless orders at the beginning of Dick Tracy.
0: <laughs> anyways, a, a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> who
2: could forget that? Warren Beatty's best. Who could forget if you that, that classic scene uh, where Paul Servino sucks down a bunch of clams? But,
1: anyways, <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't watched that movie in, since I saw it in the theaters <laughs> the, the year it came out. But, uh, I'll, you know what? Oh, I'll say I stand by it just for kicks. And hey, there's a connection there. Madonna owned Maverick Records. There you are.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. What's the next track, Mark?
0: Next track. It is time to uh, strip our uh, clothes off and hop into the digital bath. And that is up next. Digital bath.
2: digital bath. So this song opens with an ice cold drum beat by Abe Cunningham. It's, um, it's reverbed out. It sounds like it was performed in a steel room. Um, but it's great. It, it, it sets us up and actually that this drum beat is the driving force for most of this song because as it, as it plays, the rest of the band, they're not scared of empty spaces. Um, there is a lot of just like wind whistling, a uh, water dripping and, um, just ambiance. And the guitar even is doing a um, like a, almost like a jazzy, um, I think I, uh, you know, slint uh, guitar, guitar riff. Um, And even when it hits the chorus where he starts singing, singing, I want more, or I feel like more, um, you only know it's the chorus because the drums get a little heavier for a minute and then it goes back to quiet space. And then it's after, uh, it's at the bridge of the song. Um, after the second hook, where um, the music starts getting a little bit... um, There's that repetitive distortion guitar comes in. It gets a little bigger. And then uh, Chino takes it away with... um, He raises his I Feel More up another octave, and it's probably my favorite moment on the album when it just becomes swooping. Um, Yeah, and so that's the sound of Digital Bath. You know, versus you get... uh, Well, you get a... As, uh, another one, when I was talking about like exploitation films, you get this in a little bit here as you get a, a song that's kind of sexy, girl taking a bath and then she gets electrocuted and dies. Um, there's an interview with Chino explaining it um, where he was, it was five in the morning. We were still up partying and I just picture this whole scenario of having this girl bringing her downstairs and taking a bath and like out of nowhere, just reached, reaching back and electrocuting her. You're like throwing some device in the bathtub, taking her out, drying her off, and putting her clothes back on sounds morbid or whatever. But every word fit in the crevice of the song; it just worked. Uh, so that you know that that kind of brings this like uh, definitely the dark side of the lyrics, and not like <laughs> this interview is just as funny to me. It's it's uh, it's. Uh, I guess if it wasn't Chino who has proved himself to be, uh, a, a very sensitive, um, you know, romantic human being, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little icky how, uh, I guess just how, uh, whatever he is about, about this, like what, I I don't understand the, 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 purpose past that, but what he doesn't mention in that interview, which you can get by looking at the lyrics is when you get to the chorus, you get one of the biggest, most swooping moments on the album, which is the, cause tonight I feel like more and that's good and fine. But at some point towards the end of it, he hits that, I feel more and he brings it up an octave. And it is, it is a, is probably my, one of my favorite moments on this whole album, uh, where the, just the whole music swoops together. And I feel like what he's doing there is he's, you know, it's just that, that, that search for, um, You know, I think he's maybe relating his story to, uh, sure. Like killers and murderers who, who feel more, who feel like hyper sensations when they, you know, break those, those social rules such as killing, but just also what's on this album a lot is, you know, uh, changing and wanting to elevate to something else. And sometimes it's through drugs and sometimes in this case it's through, it's through killing, um, obviously not to glorify it, but more like in a storytelling way, um, but uh you know i get swooped up in the i feel more part i think it's i think it's a lot of fun um so this part- particular track is a uh a big time uh highlight for me i like the uh at some parts the guitar sounds almost like slint where it's very freddy and jazzy uh and i enjoy that um obviously the ambience really really sets this home even though it's uh seems to be a story about donnie faster from the x-files um it's 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 engaging for sure, and there's a really fun DJ Shadow remix of it, um, which would make sense because DJ Shadow is what from Davis, and is, he's basically a Sacramento local as well, and adds a uh, a hip hop element to uh, this already kind of choppy sampley song. Steve, what do you think? Digital Bath. Yeah, if if lore is to believe,
1: they actually wanted him to redo a remix off the album before they even released the album, uh, the White Pony, and they. 20 years later, it came, it came to be, yeah, this song, it, it was a single. There's a video for it. Video just kind of has some, uh, I like images of, uh, I don't know, like, uh, it's the, the cityscapes and then like, uh, shots of the band with like their eyes blacked out and, uh, not, not a lot to the video, but it's a good, it's a great song. It's a song has four quadrant appeal. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's haunting. It's melodic. It's quiet. It's loud. It, it was on the radio. I don't remember hearing it on the radio much. Abe's drums really s- strike me on this song, and they will f- through the majority of this this album. Like I said in our uh, overview of the Deftones discography, I did not appreciate him nearly as much as uh, as a drummer as I do now, uh, going through their records with a fine tooth comb and a runner, as, as you would say. And then for tonight, going through this album and dissecting it, his drum work really, it really holds the room together on quite a few songs. Uh, I, I do think this track is more of that late night vibe to it. Uh, and instead of not being able to see what's right in front of you, this definitely feels like something you could roll the windows down and just drive to uh, the, the feel like moors could echo off into the distance and they kind of sound like they do. They do a good job of, they do a good job of some guitar effects and vocal effects echoing into the distance and some digital effects, uh, electronically. Now, this track is another one that, uh, has kind of, uh, some of the guitar strumming, not the riffs, but the guitar strumming and the quieter parts kind of remind me of, a not as much jazzy, but, uh, some more like flock of seagulls, like new romantic style and, uh, I think they might have just put that idea in my head because I know they're Flock of Seagulls fans and they're Depeche Mode fans and all that. Well-documented. You hear that in this record, though. A lot of times there's melodic parts. It's not just the melody, the fact that it is melodic. They do have some new romantic melody vibes to some of their quieter parts. It could be a Culture Club or a Flock of Seagulls song.
2: Uh, you guys, you guys kind of hear that occasionally on this album? Yeah, they're not, they're not afraid they are not afraid of the reverb on the guitar, which I think is the key. There you go.
1: Yep, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, there's a section in this track where they use like electronic water droplet vibe, and I always like it when there is any kind of effect that reminds me of running water or or any kind of liquid. And I'm sure that's what they're going for here, based on the name of the song and the story Eric told. And it goes into this like this squelch. This guitar just squelch. And it's some some next level theater of the mind stuff going on. I mean, I don't know if that's when somebody drops the toaster in, but one second you're relaxing with these bloops and bleeps, and then all of a sudden there's just ah! feedback sound. Uh, it's right around minute two fifty-nine. You guys know what, what section I'm oh, yeah.
2: talking
0: about. I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And I actually I gotta be honest with you, like the, the I I used to just being electrocuted in the bathtub was something I've been afraid of since I was a little kid. Uh, I just if you're sitting in there and you're taking in a bath, I mean, you're stewing in your own filth. That's a problem right there. But but then there's so many things in the bathroom that could fall in and electrocute you. Usually everything's unplugged, but there might be there might be a hairdryer or a curling iron or I mean, these days we're all on our phones. I mean, it's just it's too much to think of. Terrible way to die, if you ask me. Uh, The last thing you would think of is the movie Shocker. That's uh, awful. (laughs) (laughs) uh this song definitely is our uh, probably the first uh real i think one element of this album this is definitely their first experimental album i still think it might be their most experimental album i think maybe saturn at risk has some uh dabblings with trip hopness maybe but this is the one that definitely if you're going to bring up the word trip hop, there's there's ed- elements of it on this record. I don't even know you know, if anybody would agree for it's just me being lazy. No, there is. A, there's but a better
2: I, example coming up in a few tracks, but you're right.
1: OK, I was saying you see a little bit of it here because I think that if you were just to strip this song down just to the beat and the atmospheric effects, it would still work really good. And uh, yeah, I feel that uh, Chino pushes his vocals quite a bit on this one not just screaming when they want to get loud. He opens his lack of better term, his throat up more and just seems to fill the room more with a, uh, a soaring vocal, not just screaming. So that's a good track.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, for me, this may be in contention for my favorite track on the record. It's in contention. I don't know if that's uh, true or not, but when it, when it comes on, you got Abe Cunningham kind of leading things off with those, um, I would say kind of trip hop drum beats like uh, I definitely agree with what you guys are are saying. And then you got that twangy spy, uh, spy guitar. I also had that in my notes as well. Um, Chino's belt of feel like more just what you guys have both have said, just echoing into the distance that just elevates this track into just a whole nother um, uh, stratosphere. But I ultimately think that Abe Cunningham is the MVP on this track. The the, the drums hit are just heavy as John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Um, just doing some fun fills all throughout. I know that Abe Cunningham really loves to uh, lay on the uh, the cymbals a little bit. I mean, I think that's how I would characterize his drumming style. But it doesn't bother me. I, I think he's a pretty damn good drummer. And lyrically, just the obsession and being able to control somebody and you know, where they're probably not in the state of consciousness, being able to put them in the bath and then throw a electrical device and then kill them and then dress them up and control them even further is uh that's some that's some stuff there, Gino. That's some stuff. But I'm glad you're working it through a song rather than actually doing it. Um I love this track, and apparently this is also one of Belching Beaver's collaborations with the Deftones. One of five, apparently. I had to look it up. Uh, I think it's a limited release. can't find it anywhere. Um, As of this recording, I'm actually having a Phantom Bride Belching Beaver, uh, just to kind of get the full effect, and uh, it was mighty tasty. And I think I've had the Digital Bath, Deftones, Belching Beaver collaboration, and uh, it was pretty good. But uh, you can look it up, and they've done one for the entire White Pony. They've done one for Good Morning Beautiful. Uh, But look them up. Apparently, Deftones, also in the beer-making business with Belching Beaver.
2: Now, that's a sponsor. Now, that's a sponsor I think we could all sign off on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with that, I think it's go, it's, uh, go time into our fourth track, which would be Elite.
1: Ah, Elite, when you're ripe, you'll bleed out of control. That is some suggestive lyricism. Or if not suggestive, then uh, aggressive and visceral lyricism. Uh, And and again, this is another track that has some uh, lyrics that reference changing or mutating, in this case, You know, something being so ripe, it bleeds out of control. Maybe opening up. Album's full of that stuff. Uh, I like this track a lot. This is, uh, an all-timer Deftones track for me. They played it live 275 times. They still play it live on some of the more recent tours. I, uh, I, 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 I really dig this song. It is just, it's, it is an ass kicker. Uh, there's it's a lot of like things rotting, disgust and flies in it. And at the same time you got, you know, you're talking about rotten fruit, but the song's a head bobber. It's, it's a fist thrower, you know, uh, or rather than, than fists. You know, a, a lot of times when I listen to this album, I I do actually throw my hands in the air. I do. There's parts that are awesome. that kick ass. And I even sometimes do that like weird, like, it's not a fist. It's more like you tuck your thumb under your hand and your the rest of your fingers are kind of arched out. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, maybe it's like the uh, the drawing of the the significant other character on the Limp Bizkit album. But it's a uh, there, there are times where I, I I throw my hands in the air to this record. and This is one of them. It's such a bad just a badass song. Uh, I don't think the song could be any longer than it is. It would be too much. Uh, somebody might get hurt. It's a very, very aggressive song. Uh, There's a a moment at the minute and 30 second mark where the guitars start doing this, like, scratching effect. And it gets so intense. And then it gets back into the meat of the track. That part right there would fit into the first two records. I think this song could fit into the the first two records. Uh, The parts that wouldn't fit as much, though, is there some really awesome electronic vocals on this. I'm not sure exactly what effect they're using, but there is some robot singing uh, during the, the thick with honey bit. Again, honey is another reference to insects. And uh, yeah, there's some really cool electronic vocal effects on this thing. And the vocal effects, the, the, the robot voice they use, it, it still gives me that nighttime vibe. Like, like somehow almost all these songs bring me back to something about this belongs in the middle of the night. And this track to me, it is the vocal effect they use for a few sections. And uh, yeah, the uh, cheese line is awesome. It really moves. It's really just uh, pummeling. And this whole song is just a pummeling bastard. It's great. Top marks. I am a huge fan of Elite.
2: Yeah, I mean this song is is a straight up hardcore song. It it just comes right in with screams and riffs and big drums and the riffs don't stop the whole the whole the whole the whole song. They just change. Um and it's aggro as hell. Um and you know, I think to your point about when you're right when you're ripe you'll bleed out of control. Um I think it is easy to take the suggestive route, but Chino has said what the song is about is, um, uh, basically like ripe is meaning like, um, people that are trying to conform and be fashionable. Um, and like what they're willing to sacrifice for that. And that's what the bleeding part is. And he said that the sets, mo- this song is mostly about, you know, uh, you know uh people uh what they sacrifice for fashion for fashion or or um you know fitting in um that's that's what this track is about uh and i like what you said about the robo voice i get what you're saying it sound it if you could capture the sound of a like street lights on um you know on a major thoroughfare reflecting off of the hood of your car in the middle of the night, that's what that robo voice sounds like. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I, I get exactly. It does. And it, 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 reminds, it, it reminds me of the movie drive. Sure. That's yeah. Perfect. I, I love that. I love that little uh, vocal, vocal thing during the, uh, during the uh, chorus there. But yeah, this song is, um, it won a Grammy. Um, and for best metal performance at the 43rd annual Grammy awards. I know Grammys are, you know, whatever, but, uh, that is cool because it's pretty, I would say it's pretty abrasive for a Grammy award. So, you know, well done, but then again, wish one. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's big and loud and fun. And, uh, on the black stallion, uh, blank mass does a remix. And I'm actually a blank mass fan. Blank mass is a side project from one of the members of the group, the fuck bottoms. And, uh, it is a, uh, they do like, um, I would say of all the new, like electronic industrial type groups, as far as kind of being a throwback to the old throbbing gristle, they take organic sounds and really just sample them until you've got a beat. That's, and what's, what's different than throbbing gristle is they generally have a beat that that's like club ready. Um, but they're using really organic sounds to do it. And it, that's no exception for this song. Um, these takes the riff and the big drums, chops 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 samples and loops until you've got uh kind of a four on the floor banger um it's a fun remix that's that's the the fuck bottoms not the fuck buttons
0: oh is it the fuck buttons <laughs> in my head I think it might be the fuck buttons Fuck Must buttons. there's two different bands in my
2: head I always thought it was the fuck bottoms oh boy it's oh it's the buttons it's absolutely the buttons well that way you had a four Freudian slip oh boy yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, die. We're not, gonna so we're we're not, we're not gonna go down that road. But uh, yeah, no. I'd, for some reason, I either had a CD or I saw live. I think I saw them live. I saw the the fuck buttons live somewhere. In my my life. Um, yeah, that's no, a. And, and to, to the lyrics, Eric, that a uh, one line that I love is that you're into depression because it matches your eyes. That's a, it's a great line.
2: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Uh yeah, I mean it's it's quite funny when Steve. Talked initially about this song uh, that when you're ripe you'll bleed out of control and uh, kind of trying to parse the the meaning out of that. Um, you know, maybe it's because I uh, look at a Rorschach test, I might see you know some inappropriate things. But is is it a menstrual cycle that he's talking about here? But uh, <laughs> I I do quite enjoy this song a lot Uh, this is definitely one of their heaviest songs in their catalog Um, it is relentless it is brutal Uh, Chino is absolutely shredding his vocals on this track Um, and the robot vocals certainly bring me into the industrial sound I know that Chino is also a big fan of skinny puppy off that remix distemper record that um, skinny puppy put out Chino I think remixed a song off of Last Rights. That sounds about right. Or maybe he did one for Too Dark Park. Eric, help me out here. Any anything off the top of the noggin that you can? Uh, if not, it's okay. I know you're the Skinny Puppy guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they absolutely did. I'm trying to remember what song it was. Uh, but anyway, okay. Uh, yeah. If you
0: can't remember, it's fine. Yeah, but I know that Chino's a big fan of Skinny Puppy and having those robot uh, vocal effects. Uh, fits in very nicely. Um, whereas on the last track, I thought that Abe was, you know, the front and center MVP. Uh, Steph is absolutely just fucking killing it. Uh, the guitar tone is turned up uh, to just a get out of town tone. I mean, just absolutely brutal, relentless, building, falling on you um, kind of sound uh, that I also uh, feel that botch love to do as well uh, if you haven't listened to we are the Romans maybe we'll talk about that record next season but man um, there is uh, some heavy heavy vote uh, guitar tone on that record and that kind of brings me here uh, both released the same year if you can believe it I think both of them were released in 2000 anyhow uh I, I love this song it's great it uh, it's not one that you can really sing along to without having to uh, cough a thousand times and it looks like chino actually remixed spasmolytic which was off of too dark park i, I believe um
2: that's the same kind of the they definitely used that vocal thing there in that song too yeah, so
0: yeah um but Anyhow, Elite, great track. Glad we we're all in agreement on this one. Um, so without further ado, let's go into track uh, five. And that would be, I'm going to say it the way that it actually should be said, Prescription Queen. If you want to call it RX Queen, well, that's on you. Let's hear a little bit of Prescription Queen.
1: We Are the Romans came out in uh, November 1999.
0: Close enough.
2: All right, so Prescription Queen, uh, we get um, a, uh, a very interesting one, also in the in the trip hop vein, as far as a lot of atmosphere. Um, we get a little bit more of that echoey guitar. Um, you know, it could be looked at that new romantic style. It could also be looked at like Twin peaks um, And uh, you get that drum beat, which another one, is it sampled, is it chopped up? I know Abe could, act, could play it live and he does play it live. Um, it just it definitely sounds processed, but in, but in a way that totally fits this song. Um, experimenting with some of those sounds that you know, I know Chino would try to do again in Crosses and in Team Sleep. Um, the uh, there's a really cool thing that happens is over the drum beat, there's a sample of like woodblock percussion that they play, um, which adds just a really cool feel to the song, and um, uh, you know adds a little uh, adds a little flavor, adds some layers to it. Um, the song itself is about a codependent relationship, um, two people, addicts that are in love with each other. Um, and you know, they can't separate the love for each other from the love of the high. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of some, some imagery of, you know, the negative side of that, but ultimately when it comes down to it and you get to that chorus, you're my girl and that's all right. If you sting me, I won't mind. Um, that companionship is still there. It's still important. There's still a sweet there's a sweet aspect of the song, even though it's maybe covered in, in, um, you know, uh, tracks on your arm and, 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 you know, flies and, uh, you know, maybe he's singing it to her in a, in a, in a flop house somewhere, but it's, it's, there's a sweet aspect to it. The death of everything new and we'll fly farther. Um, you know, that that's that kind of flying, soaring, um, uh, drug metaphors that, that happen on this album a few times. Um I know Chino at one point in an interview um he didn't interview very well back then the way he interviews but he said this this album's a uh essentially a concept album about cocaine um and I I think he I don't know if he was just trying to be obnoxious to the interviewer or whatever but like that totally short sells this album I mean I think I think there's definitely a cocaine element to this album no doubt about it um especially in like the energy and some of the sound effects. Um, but it's, you know, I think there's more to it than that, but you know, good. Well, they were all, they were in there. They were in there. They were in their, they were in their uh, mid to late twenties. Sure.
1: Uh, let's say mid, 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 mid twenties, like 26, something like that. Right. Uh, Think of the stupid shit. We still said when we were 26. Sure. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, Think of think of some of think of some of the, uh, the the low budget movies you were making when you were twenty six, Eric. You wouldn't say some of those same things now. Uh, of course not.
2: Of course not. No. I, all I all I meant was, uh, you know, I think he's underselling. Uh, even you know, he's underselling. Uh, I think a lot of the themes in the album, but you know, hey, he was trying to be an enigma, and I guess I respect that too. Um, this song though is uh, is pretty great. Um, I, you know, I I do enjoy it. Uh, Salva who I don't know who Salva is. Salva did a remix um, and there's some, there's some just mostly just chopping and screwing going on in it. Uh, But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great little track. It's, it's one of the more uh, sonically interesting uh, as far as a departure from the rest of the album on here. Uh, What do you think, Steve?
1: Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Twin Peaks because I definitely, uh, I wrote down Lost Highway on for this track, which now that I think about it, Twin Peaks makes more sense. But at the same time, The late night vibe this whole album has reminds me of uh, Lost Highway, the Lost Highway, the cover of Lost Highway and uh, Dick Morant is dead. All that good stuff. Um, I definitely get that vibe on this track. You're dead on with that Twin Peaks guitar, that boom, 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 boom. That's totally, totally what they were probably going for. Like they probably did. They probably watched Twin Peaks and then wrote this song, Uh, if nothing for that, just that that guitar tone. Definitely, uh, you could could imagine uh, the the Twin Peaks theme song coming in soon after, or uh, you know, uh, I I, I don't know, uh, uh, Dick Tremaine coming in and uh, smoking a cigarette right in the middle of the room. So, Lucy, great, great, great comparison there. Uh, I also wrote down Quentin Tarantino because I I was trying, I was struggling to figure out kind of the theme of the song, like you said. And I, I think what I meant by that was maybe you could go with like a true romance type thing here. Uh, not as much that they were drug addicts, but yeah, there's like a Bonnie and Clyde type thing going on here with the codependency You're, you're totally right. So you and I were thinking of some of the, the, the similar, similar themes to an extent. I definitely felt the, uh, the relationship vibe going on in this track. Um, there are lyric, there are lyrics in this track about things getting stung, like you said, and again, insects, insects all over this record, and uh, they're, they're, the way that the look at them and what what does he say? Look at them now, look at them sting. What does he say? Well, I guess you guys aren't gonna pick me up, but uh, the,
0: the way. Hold on a sec. It says I was had to bring it up, and now look at him. Look at him now. Look at him sting. Yeah, that's what he says.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The way they deliver that, go back and listen to it. There's kind of a a Trent Reznor vibe to that, uh, that section right there. I think maybe I'm just thinking of a like reptile or something, but the way that section is delivered reminds me of a, of a certain type of nine inch nail. And yeah, this song is a total change up for them. I don't think you find a lot of it on their other records. You might find some of it on some of the side projects to an extent. Um, Cool song. And I, I really dig the the digital decay outro with like, it sounds like, you know, banged up Calypso drums getting just picked apart. Pretty cool way to end the song.
0: Yeah. I mean, okay. So my notes essentially on this track uh, is that guitar riff starts out like a futuristic Western. Uh, so to Eric's point, yes, has that spy guitar. Um, I like this song quite a bit. Um, yeah, but overall, um, I agree with stephen uh, The digital decay that it falls, and it's funny that you say that. I remember when me, you, and Seth were trying to maybe form something together. That was like a working title of our band, Digital Decay. Um, but the Calypso drums, I don't know if that's just a detuned Lars Ulrich uh, saying Anger drum snare, or they actually did some really cool uh beat effects, uh courtesy of Frank Delgado, but definitely get some calypso steel drums at the end of this one. Good track.
1: Yeah, for for the record, that digital decay thing was approximately twenty-two years ago. Uh when we were nineteen and eighteen.
0: It or, sure was.
1: That's uh I know. Eric might use that title now for a project, but we've all
2: uh grown up. Sure, there. why not? Why not? I I played I played bass in a band back then
0: called maximum effect i was just gonna say when me and steve remix one of eric's tracks we're gonna call it the digital decay remix
2: <laughs> oh god please do <laughs> ah awesome <laughs> all right what's next street carp
0: street carp it is. it's time to see if there's any fish in the street because it's street carp time
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Streetcarp, no surprise here. The, the aggressive songs in this album are all top-notch. All of them. I think all of them. All the loud songs are good songs. The, uh, the push-pull sequencing on this record is very well done. The the aggression of some of the tracks and the syrupy beauty of the other ones, I think they did a great job of going back and forth. And even though some songs might end, like a uh, Prescription Clean, and then start with something that's pretty out of the gate, pretty loud here, um they 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 managed to place the songs in an order where it doesn't jar you. Uh the scream at the start of this song is wonderful. That that down da 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 da. Perfectly done. The uh the inhale with that guitar strum right there is just awesome. That's another that's another like punch the air moment on this record. You just you can you can imagine yourself just throwing your whole meat hook in the air and and dancing with a bunch of goons at the show to this track. I I think it's just, a, it's a great track. And, um, there's, it's got some of the, the Chino bird calls as I, I like to think of them. The, the woo, uh, kind of, it's kind of like a high altitude out of breath, exhale on this track. And it's got, again, a cool digital touch to it. It doesn't sound totally clean. And I, I like that. Um, this track has a, a a lyrical motif I enjoy, which is talking about phone numbers or addresses and trying to remember them. I, I don't know why I am not going to show a lot of my math, but whenever a song has a phone number in it, I am amused by it. I like it. Uh, you know, uh, eight, six, seven, five, three Oh nine Jenny. That's a good one. And, uh, I can't think of a whole lot of other ones right now, but that, that is a good one. And, uh, you know, whenever I think of that song, that's a, that's kind of a cousin to Jesse's girl by Rick Springfield. I'm a big fan of Jesse's girl. How do
2: you guys feel about Jesse's girl?
0: It's a, it's a great track. I mean, if you think about boogie nights, it's, uh, it's an all timer sure.
2: in the right, in the right context. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I have a, my cousin's husband at every wedding. He uh, he performs a full lip sync of this song. It's become a thing, and he ups it every time. It gets more ridiculous every single time. Anyways, Jesse's girl. Yeah,
1: I like Jesse's girl. I also like uh, "Summer '69" by Ryan Adams. I'm, you know, I'm I'm forty years old. I can do this. I can like these songs.
0: How about uh, uh, Jack and Diane? Are you are you feeling good about that one? I don't know if there's any phone numbers in it, but there is a lot of sucking on chili dogs.
1: It's okay it's uh <laughs> it's no uh it's no everything i do um yeah, this track the guitar the guitar riff is awesome again, carpenters knocking down buildings, he really knows how to do that this is another one I think where the bass line and the guitar kind of lock in together a few times and uh do, do 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 really that's a Steph Carpenter is a nimble guitar player. I mean, you don't think of like a million notes per minute when you listen to him, but he can do riffs that are so groovy. Um, they like go in circles when they want to. And he's a, he's he knows what he's doing. And, he, you know, he gets heavy, but you could still, you could still just, you know, hurt your neck, not headbanging. You'll headbang to it, but also you'll, you'll kind of groove to it. You'll do a little little chicken head walk to some of his riffs.
0: So just to clarify, Stephen, he's able to do riffs in circles, but he doesn't believe the earth is a circle. Got it.
1: That's why. You see, he sees things differently than we do, Mark. (laughs) Uh, You see, Mark, a circle is not a spear. okay? and he's just asking questions. So back off. Um, A street carp is a fish you would not want to eat, according to Urban Dictionary. Therefore, a street carp is a female that is nasty and not worth eating or touching. This is from Urban Dictionary. I didn't write it, folks. I looked it up. Uh,
0: grabs at the walls and pulls the meat down, if you will.
2: On that note, Eric, what do you think the definition of street carp is? Well, I think that's what it is. Um, the lyrics of this song definitely are. Uh, there's a few moments um, where I think uh, Chino kind of falls back into his kind of old songwriting style, which I'm going to call, and I don't mean this disparagingly necessarily, but I'm going to call it brokenhearted bro. Um, at, at some point, uh, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I think he's a, he's a sensitive dude. I think he, he's, he elevates beyond that. And even in this song, the song is kind of drama. It's like uh, it's a song about like an ex showing up asking for contact information, and he's kind of not sure if he wants to like let her know how to get a hold of him. He knows that will only cause drama with his life now, uh, but maybe he's gonna just eh fuck it. Let's see what happens. And and uh, uh I guess on on paper maybe that's a little uh, sophomoric, but his delivery in the chorus in the hook is so sassy. I love it. It's the whole, like, you know, my new address. And then he starts saying the numbers. And he says, Oh, I forget. And then, then he says, you know, take, here's your new evidence, take it and fuck with it. Like he's very sassy. And he knows that, that by providing this information, he's kind of being playful about it. Maybe I'll give it to you. Maybe I won't. And then he finally does. And he's like, let's see what kind of fire fires this starts. Um, so, uh, you know, he, even though it's maybe going back to some of his, uh, his less developed subject matter. He's got this swagger in his delivery that is, that makes this song a lot of fun. And I have nothing more to add to Steve's musical. Like the music on this, this track is huge and, and great. And that really does all the heavy lifting. Um, Phantom, Gra- Fantagram does a remix. They're like a synthy indie band, um, uh, 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 guy, girl singer. Um, I think they've done some songs for like, they did like some hooks for big boy. Like they cross over a lot. Um, and they do a cool thing with this song where they kind of remake it, but they add it. They make it more synth and then they sing over the hook, um, which is kind of fun. I always like when the remix uh, the remixers aren't afraid to add their own vocals to it, too. Um, so that's a fun one. Pretty. Uh, Mark?
1: Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of
0: Phantom uh, Phantogram. Yeah, for sure. Grim is good. Uh, so, Streetcarp. I would say this harkens back to the Around the Fur era sound, um, which is just you know, one album prior. But, you know, in my mind, I feel like this is one of the first songs that they wrote for this record. It's probably not true, but it certainly just feels that way coming off of Around the Fur. When I say that, I think that it could easily have found a home on that record as well without really being, you know, uh, out of place. I don't hate the song. I don't entirely love it either. Um, for whatever reason, I still have to remind myself, like, it's not bad, it's fine, it's good. It just doesn't stick out because I think the rest of this record is so strong on some of the like the big swings that a lot of the other songs take. And I feel that this one still tries to do a little bit more into the, uh, into the past. Um, and how I have to remind myself of what this song is is the whole address thing. Speaking of the whole address, uh, I I came across this thing in my research. And he, Chino Moreno, told Kerrang! Magazine a few years after this record came out, there was a little Easter egg that there is that recurring line that this is my new address. And the last time he says it, 6150, I confess, apparently was his Gmail account for years and years, yet no one ever contacted him. No one ever picked up on it. It was a little little thing in there. So I don't know if it was like Chino at 6150 or 6150 at Gmail, but whatever it was, that was his Gmail account. So there you go. But one thing about this track that does stick out is I really feel that Chino is really trying to put on display his vocal influences, whether that be Robert Smith. And I think he even said Morrissey um, was certainly one of the ones that he was trying to uh, imitate here. And I see that. The swooning, the crooning. Um, you get a little Chino doing that here. So it's not one of my favorite tracks on the record, but it's certainly not a bad track by any means. I think that uh, it just it has, I think, a little bit more of the two feet in the past rather than really trying to experiment into their new sound. Uh, but that's just my opinion. So, uh, I think we can, unless you guys want to do a little crossfire action on me, uh, we can go to the next track.
2: No, nah, it's 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 on the lo- lower rung. No, I'll, I'll, agree. I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree.
0: One at a time, folks. One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Parliament. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I say, I say. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll, uh, I'll agree that... Uh, it is a a throwback to the past, but at the same time, I think that some of the newer songs work better when you get to have some of the, uh,
2: the old style mixed in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eric.
2: I was just going to say, I I agree. I agree. I agree. It's lower wrong. It's not my least favorite on the album. Um, but you know, still that being said, I, I, I generally won't skip it.
0: Absolutely. It's not a skippable track. And I think when we saw them live, the one time that I saw them live, they played it live and it was a uh, grand old time. Glad glad they played it and Chino's reaching for the rafters during this track. It's it's fun. It's fun.
1: Dare I, dare I say dare I say there are no skippable tracks on this album.
0: Uh no, there isn't.
1: Yeah. Even 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 the one I like the least I still like, which is the next one. What's that called, Mark?
0: That one is called teenager as so as Mick Jagger would say everybody cool out man and that's what we're gonna do on the next track we're gonna play a little bit of teenager
2: album. It's, um, quiet. There's, uh, a, a guitar acoustic guitar strum that is definitely sampled and looped. Um, and you get some like fuzzy warm vinyl pops over it. And, um, you get a drum, you get some Abe drums that are also sampled and chopped into a little bit of a drum and bass thing in the background. Um, but it's yet, yeah, it's still mellow. It's not like super active. Um, and you know, it's some of, it's some of Chino's best crooning. Um, he, he's singing, um, it's a song about heartbreak, a girl, um, you know, changing her, you know, this is another change song, right? But it's, uh, somebody changing and maybe going on to other things. And as, as our, our narrator gets closer, um, they get, uh, you know, they, they, they back away. Um, Yeah. Climbed in your arms. You pulled away Uh, a new cavity moved in my heart today. The more she seems, the more it seems uh, now. Uh, Now I'm through with the new you. So this is another kind of like breakup song where somebody changes and our narrator, Chino, isn't crazy about those changes. Um, I mean, I don't know how much more to say. It's a pretty song. There are a lot of musical changes. It is very much more in that like proto team sleep. Um, approach, um, where, you know, this could just be Frank sampling stuff live. Um, not so much a live band. Um, this was remixed by Robert Smith. He added some guitar loops and added this like out of tune piano. That's really pretty. Um, and almost made it like a dark wave ballad. Um, I think it improves it. I think the Robert Smith remix is actually better than the, than the original. Um, and I, 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 I enjoy this song, especially listening to the album all the way through. It's a nice place to catch your breath, Steve.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, a, uh, a palate cleanser, if you will, a breath, a good time to take, catch your breath. Um, it still fits right in. It still talks about being dri- driven home. It still has that late night vibe going on um, that. I, I know the
2: guitar is sampled, but do you think the drums are sampled in this or do you think those are live? Well, I think he played them live. I, I might, I would see there, there's some chopping going on, but I could be wrong. It could just be a processor over it.
0: I mean, it's does sound like it's just DJ crook and Frank Delgado supplying the drum beats, but maybe that's uh, just processed. I, so yeah, I'm, I'm equally befuddled on that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, there's a lot like the, the kick drum in it though. Sounds live to me. That's a, it's a, it's a good drum beat. It's a, I guess if we're asking that question, it's even better uh, there. Yeah, the, the whole vibe of the song has like all these like little blue, 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 like UFOs flying around in my head kind of thing, like old timey record pops and UFOs. Uh, pretty good mix. Um, and it's 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 a good breather, like we said, with all the weightier lyrical topics of the other songs. I mean, I'm not sure maybe the teenager they're talking about gets killed and I'm just not understanding it. But uh, it seems to be the least dark of uh, all the all the tracks as far as lyrics go. Um, if you if you look at the liner notes from the B-Sides album, uh, uh, there's a version of this song with the band Idiot Pilot. And Chino mentions that he wrote these lyrics when he was 15, living in Arizona with his grandparents. And it's about the first real date he ever had. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the guy. The guy sure does wear his heart in his sleeve. He'll even go back years ago and dig up poetry from when he was literally 15 years old. And I I actually respect that.
2: Wow. I didn't know that. Actually, that makes it almost better. (laughs) That makes it better (laughs) because like in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe he's like you know, a year or two out of high school, but still dating somebody in high school, teenager, you know, and they're going off to college and changing. But no, no, he's just, he was just, he was just a kid.
0: So yeah, this is probably my least favorite track on the record, but it's certainly not one that I actually like have any problems with at all. Um, It starts out with Mac tonight, uh, tucking in Homer Simpson on a uh, moonlight drive. And oh, we, we haven't
1: we haven't done that image in a while. <laughs> that's good. <Yeah. laughs> that's a fun one. That's a that's a that's a pod like a whole greatest hits.
0: Yeah, I think this is the first time that Deftones has really like pulled out like, hey, we're not just loud guitars and um, spitting out fat rhymes. We are actually kind of doing something that uh, does showcase our influences, whether that be Depeche Mode or any sort of eighties electronic band and you know, the fact that Robert Smith of the cure uh, chose or maybe was assigned this one to uh, remix on black stallion, uh, certainly is fitting. Um, I think Chino initially maybe have intended this song to maybe land on a team sleep record. I think that's what I read. And you're right, Stephen, that the whole, wrote the song at 15 and then drudging it up from an old shoebox uh, certainly is fitting. DJ Crook, who is also from the Sacramento area, who is also a member of Team Sleep and who also might be affiliated with Crosses. Uh, he's bringing the beats and whatever reason, I know that I've talked about it before and I'm going to say it again. Uh, Chino loves that breathy vocal style, and he's certainly trying to hit some high notes on here. Um, He's not Mariah Carey, I'll tell you that, but uh, he's he's doing it in a way that seems authentic and doesn't seem cringy. So gentle Chino, romantic Chino, Uh, as the kids would say, I am here for it.
1: Yeah, I think I think 20 years on, uh, obviously, you're going to get better if you do something for 30, 20 years I think this is the start. Actually, no, I take that back. I think uh, around the fur has moments where there's some attempts at singing, but uh, I think especially be quiet and drive. Obviously, uh, this record has a few of them. And I think over the years, the guy just he, his vocals got way better. I don't know if you ever had vocal coaching or, you know, I know one to, at one point uh, it's it's famous lore that he shredded his vocal cords and had to start singing a little differently at times. And maybe that's why he sang more instead of screaming more. I don't know. But uh, I, I do know that throughout the albums, there's uh, a broader dynamic range with uh, his vocals. And you see some of that on this one. And yeah, sometimes it might be a little painful, like on this song, but uh, it gets the point across. And maybe maybe it's meta. Maybe the fact that it sounds like his voice cracks a few times is because he wrote these lyrics when he was 15. He was trying to get back there.
2: I was just going to say... Um... But just based on the acoustic guitar and like um, very light turntable scratches and beat in the background, I feel like in just another year or two, this would be like uh, the, <laughs> an abomination version of this song would be would be Uncle Cracker, <laughs> Uncle Cracker's "Drift Away" or something like that. <laughs> uh, I don't know why.
0: Which probably samples like an old '70s song, sure, uh, or that is a cover of "Drift Away." right or give me that beat boys <laughs> rock and roll that song oh, wait,
2: no uh what was
0: that?
3: as we he had away. one where
2: he would there was like it was like a. it was supposed to be his ballad i remember it was a video maybe it was follow me it was very cheesy very cheesy good old uncle cracker <laughs> Was he the dj for kid rock that's right okay
0: i think he spiraled out of that universe yes um don't worry. We'll cover devil without a cause next season.
2: Thank goodness. Thank goodness.
1: <laughs> and, and, and the greater, and the greater Kid Rock universe. Huh? I mean, what does that entail? Uh, <laughs> definitely there, there's a insane clown posse thread there. Uh, it could take us back to limp biscuit. Ted Nugent would definitely have to be covered. Ooh, well, uh, sure. Skinner. We would We'd have to do a Skinner episode. Well, and Cheryl Crow's
0: in there. Cheryl Crow's in there. She did a duet with him. Right. Um, and, maybe a black country singer too. Uh, but I, I can't, big, remember big and rich. Um, <laughs> probably big and rich. Uh, I
2: feel like that, that one, I just, I just show up hammered every episode, get very angry and I'm either fired and replaced or, um, or, or belligerent every episode. So that'll be fun. It'll be good.
0: Next season, it's only albums that we absolutely despise and have to just fucking go through and f- try to find the silver lining. That's our new fucking perspective next season. That's not a bad
2: idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, take all the positivity out of our show. Yeah, that's good. It's that's good, good for the soul. What's next?
0: Next is knife purdy or as i like to call it knife party and uh, let's hear a little bit of that
2: this came uh out of an experience on the tour bus everybody was drunk and high and uh i believe it was abe's knife knife collection got pulled out and it was just like some dangerous but uh they were being dangerous and reckless and having fun um and just kind of inspired this uh kind of not unlike like moments of digital bath um it kind of inspired this these lyrics for chino about um Uh, I guess like, uh, tempting fate, um, and, uh, you know, feeling alive because you're acting dangerous. Um, my knife is, it's sharp and chrome, uh, come see inside my bones, all the fiends are on the block and I'm the new king and I'll take the queen. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a, it's quite an incredible song. I mean, in my opinion, this one goes places um you know it starts off pretty uh it, it's got a pretty good strumming drive to the guitar and then the, that whole catchy like go get your knife in the chorus is great um but then at some point in the last third of the song is a breakdown and the drums just go just go big and we get um rodine uh get sick comes in to do the vocals and she does this, uh, kind of moaning scream, almost kind of tribal, uh, vocal in the background as things get spacey, uh, things, uh, Frank Delgado's going, going nuts on his uh, equipment back there. Things get spacey. Um, and she's, she's singing. She's, she's doing kind of like a, (laughs) almost like an enigma thing, but in an edgy way. And then, uh, at some point when Chino comes in, her vocals go down, but you can hear her screaming her head off. I had it on headphones. It was almost terrifying. Uh, She was screaming her head off as everything builds to this kind of huge, huge ending. Um, This song is uh, is intense. And I I, I think it's a high point on the album. It's 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 quite good. Um, uh, Yeah. What do you think about this one, Steve? Oh, yeah. This
1: one's always it's an all timer for me. Um, Even back 20 years ago, this is one where I was like, whoa, man, this is this knife party track, ooh! Like it just seemed to a twenty-year-old, this song sounds deep, and it's got some depth to it. it. It's it's great. It's got a you know some some airy guitar strumming uh, opening it up that unlocks a, a big riff that comes into you, and uh, the song continues to have a movement of expanding and contracting and contracting and soaring. Uh, It's definitely a loud, quiet, loud song, but it's not it's not blatant about it. It's uh, it's organic, and I think it's a good indicator of some of the direction this band can go in. Um, I don't think they ever write a song quite like this again, but they definitely do try to play with atmosphere quite a bit in the future, and they do a lot of that on this track. Um, that showpiece is obviously that vocal solo that you, you talked about. Um instead of Enigma, it's always reminded me of Pink Floyd. It definitely sounds like the backup singers in Pink Floyd to me, which is a really simple basic comparison, but you know, the ears here with the ears here. Uh that, that section though, sure the vocalization's great. But Abe's drum like tinking in high hats as she gets going, and then the rest of the band slowly comes in just enough. And then when she starts screaming, the band kind of goes a little more, but they never overshadow her screaming, which is in the background. And at that point, you're right, Chino is singing too. But uh, she really really got it going. And the she is, uh, yeah, a a woman named uh, Rodlene Jetsick. And she was recording something nearby, I believe, uh, at one of the two studios. Uh, Funny enough, I was looking her up, and she's also an actress. And she was in a movie called Bunny Game. And the cover of the movie is a, a drawing of a woman uh, with her hands bound upon above her head, and she's wearing a bunny mask, which is kind of the weird story that uh, they they were talking about when they uh, wrote, wrote wrote this song. Um, and I found that I found that anecdote about what they said that was the inspiration. Eric, uh, I found it on an old Angel Fire page that never got taken <laughs> down about the deaf tones. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was fun. Uh, apparently, also, this was going to be a single, but uh, the the Deftones themselves decided it would have been. Uh, I don't know how they settled on change in the House of Flies, but they thought this was a, this one was too weird to have be a single off the album.
0: Yeah, when I read that, too, I was like, well, change was just sitting right there. Like, are you kidding me? Like, how could you not just pinpoint that one as being the one? Um, but Knife Party, it's very arty. It's uh, really showcasing that the band is more than what Revolver uh, magazine is trying to make them to be the darlings of new metal. I think they've uh, transcended what new metal that genre is all about, even though the first four Korn albums, not bad, folks, not bad. Uh, I'll be on record on saying I,
1: that. I believe, yeah, I'll even, you know, I'll even say that if you listen to all of Korn's albums, there are times where their later work does have some fun stuff but it sounds like corn corn always sounds like corn. Even, even when corn tries not to sound like corn, even when they're doing dubstep, they sound like corn.
0: Look, Atticus Ross, I think produced like more than one corn record. And you know, he's the second part of nine inch nails. So back off, right?
2: You're not sweating.
0: Uh, But I feel like this, yeah, exactly. They ain't sweating it. Um but I feel like this song is really earning them the title the nickname of being the Radiohead of Metal. And Steven right now is rolling his eyes, but hey, we're gonna talk about Radiohead this season, so just might as well buckle up, bunny. Um Chino's stretching out every last word on this track. You you gotta love it. And then you get some I, I know that you uh have described it as tribal, but I uh I ascribe it to the natural born killers vocal of neurosot uh just really shrieking when the uh prison riot is happening in natural born killers. Um that's that's where I go with this uh fair yeah. female vocalist.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, fan- that's fantastic. That's
0: uh it's haunting it's absolutely haunting uh, while listening to this song. It just immediately transports you to driving down a, uh, like a really dark country road where there's like no light pollution. You're just a lot of trees around you. It just, that's the element that I get. I'm, I'm back in the, the truck driving through the side streets of Loomis. And and it's a, one o'clock at night. And that's where this song takes me.
2: How many cans of surge in the bed of that truck?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the only light you see is the moon or, uh, you know, if a, if a, if a meth lab blows up in the distance, but, uh, yeah, again, this, this record, it's, it's not quite a concept album, but there's definitely reoccurring themes. And there's also just a, a like a reoccurring, uh, atmosphere that they of just late night drives, it's just it's there. It's totally there. Nobody can deny it. And I think that takes a lot of talent to have something to be this consistent as f- with the feel that this record has. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. It certainly is. Uh, but it is time to make sure we have our passports. It is time to make sure that we have all of our vaccinations in a row. And we're not going to go to the bad Korea. We're going to go to the good Korea on our next track, Korea.
1: Alright, Korea. Uh, This song to me is undeniable. It is, again, another one of my favorite Deftone songs. I really do like the aggressive tracks on this album. Um, I I think this one, uh, I just... Some of the breakdowns on, on this song are just awesome. Mark made the botch comparison earlier. I would, and then Eric used the word hardcore earlier. They're definitely was they were they were letting some of their their more hardcore uh, influences come through on the louder songs on this album the uh the aggressive tracks like they're pretty they have textures to them and are not meat and potatoes but they really like boil the aggression down to a level that's uh it's it's right there man it is like punching concrete and I think this song does it the best out of all of them on the record. It's my favorite of the black, better term loud songs on the album. Um, the one there's a moment on this song at the one minute and 53 second Mark, where it's actually probably the high point of the entire record for me, where the entire band drops out and Steph just does some strumming for a minute. And there's some light vocalizing before the shit just hits the fan again. Uh, it's a, it's a awesome catch your breath before, the, the breakdown and uh, there's there, there's a bit in this where uh, right after that during the breakdown, there's kind of like a beatboxing robot grunt and the riff and the bass are in lockstep and everything for me at that section right there during the breakdown. But still, there's this weird little beatboxing robot voice um, it's like a, it's like a clicking. It's like a it's like a malfunctioning click. Uh, during during the breakdown, it's just I love it. Everything everything right there at that moment for me on this record just clicks into place. You can put this song in a box and give it to me for Christmas. I I love this track, and uh, I, I think the baseline on it uh, is is a stand up a standout on the album. And uh, there's the difference between this one to me between this and Elite and Street Carp is I think this one has some breathing space with some of the verse deliveries that the other two don't Um, just a little bit more of a, a completed song to me. Uh, And also another one where I think there's, it's like a future vision of some of the way they blend styles on some of their future albums. It's,
2: it's a great, great track. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I like this one. Um, I am not as enthusiastic Uh, about it. I, I think it, it's, it's a chunky rocker. Um, it is, uh, I think it's uh, the music doesn't stand out as much to me on this song, but I do like the aggression to it. I did make a note that the, the same point that you did the strumming that takes over after the second chorus, um, is is a beautiful thing. I think it's great. The song itself is about, I mean, it's about blowing strippers. It's not, it's very guns and roses, motley crew uh, there, but there's not the storytelling element. There's not like, there's really not an emotional layer to it whatsoever. It's just, it's just about, I guess, having fun in Vegas. Um, that's not terribly interesting to me. And I feel the same way about the music. It definitely rocks. There's a groove to it. Um, uh, but it doesn't, doesn't take me places like other, other tracks do on here. Um, so, uh, I will gladly wrap this one up in a box and give it to you for your birthday, Steve. Um, cause, uh, uh, I'll, I have other, I have other tracks on here that I'd like, I'd like his presence, but, uh, I will gladly give you this one. um, but that being said, it's it's not a skippable and it's it, it's uh, completely enjoyable. It just doesn't have what I think the strengths of this album are. Um, I don't find on this particular track.
0: Yeah, I'll kind of split the difference on this one. Um, you know, this isn't my go-to track on the record, um, but I do feel that it is um, kind of scratching an itch. Uh, Apparently, uh, this was the first song that they wrote for the record. Um, So unlike the other track that I had uh, recently cited, which was Street Carp, it was this one that was the one that uh, started it off. So I I certainly see one foot in um, Around the Fur and the other in White Pony a little bit more on this record, or excuse me, this song. That rhythm section, man, it sounds like a railroad being built. It is heavy. It is repetitive in a very good way. Um, And one thing in particular that I really enjoy about this is when Chino uh, says, check the claws, followed by some solid record scratching. Like, that is some humor folks and uh i'm, I'm digging it <laughs> yeah, i'll give you that <laughs> um but uh this song is is not bad it's not terrible um uh it's not my first go-to in fact when i first when i when i do these album listens i actually make a little check mark about like oh yeah this is a definitely a highlight of the record it was only on my third listen when I actually gave it a check checkmark. Uh, when on my first initial thing, I was like, yeah, it was good, but I don't know if it's like one of the highlights. But after listening to it like three or four times, I gave it the old seal of approval. So Korea, good track I'm with Steve.
1: You know, Now you mentioned, I think the part that I have to go back and listen to it now, the part that I thought was beatboxing might be the record scratching. Either way, it sounds great.
0: With that... Yeah, check the claws, and then yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's it. Could be beatboxing along with some Frank Delgado, like they're going back and forth. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's some some solid record scratching. Some like uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, Did you ever watch that documentary Scratch? Because I never did, Um, but I imagine it was a good one.
1: Good job, Mark. All right, the next track.
0: The next track, yes, let's go to the next track. I'll drive, and Steven, you'll be the passenger.
1: Oh man, depending on your interpretation of this song, things just got weird. though. Passenger. This is a great track. I'm going to admit though this song suffered the same thing that uh, happened to me because of the band Tool in general. Uh, the, the song has Maynard James Keenan on it. And back then the just oh my goodness this was the song with Maynard the Deftones got Maynard in their album oh my oh goodness gracious it's just how amazing. And the song is good. But much like Tool I actually went through a phase where the fans of tool made me dislike tool, which looking back now, that's silly. Letting, letting other people who annoy you uh, make you not appreciate something that you like because you, that you actually like is nonsense, but it happens, folks. It happens. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're around too many knuckleheads that are, that are, you know, pounding Jaegermeister in the parking lot, trying to dissect Maynard's lyrics while they're, uh, you know, talking about uh, uh i i i don't know going going to uh, uh the buffet right after and and eating until they throw up well that's 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 hard to deal with and sometimes that's what would happen with tool fans but tools a great band i listened to 46 and two yesterday that song still holds up many tool songs hold up and this song holds up maynard's great he's a good vocalist I don't think he's God's gift to rock vocals like some people seem to. The guy just has a cool sounding voice and it works well on this track. Um, I I, he he actually is a good fit for the vibe of this album, that late night vibe that what's out there that I can't see. That's perfect. Manner's perfect for that. And it's not like they had him fly across the country. Apparently he was just uh, nearby. And uh, he knew these guys and they they got him on the record. I, this goes in the file of some of the other tracks that are, gosh, this is like a mid-tempo song. It's, it's, it's got its loud moments. That beat, that dune, dun dune, 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 dune. And with the, the boom, 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 boom. The uh, the beats are are have a weight to them, like you said earlier, John Bonham. Mark, I they're miked perfectly. The drums are miked perfectly on this track. You can really tell. And on the uh, about the one twenty mark, the, when the bass line comes in, yeah, ho- holy hell! Now the bass on this song is critical. It's crucial. It's uh it's awesome. It's just the the it really locks the whole song in as a proper bass line should. And the sense of propulsion that this track has because of the bass is, is great. Um, the, the Maynard and the Chino kind of singing back and forth together. It's fun. Eric will go into the lyrics more. Uh, I think they're, they're, their their styles of singing work well together on this track. Uh, back to the late night vibe. There's a line on this track. That's the cool night air is curious. And, that's a very good line. It fits this record. But what's fun to me is also, if you're not paying attention right, you might actually think he's saying, close the window, damn it. This air is curious, which has a whole different vibe of kind of like somebody like yelling at Cletus to shut the window, which uh, either way, I dig it. Um, yeah, good song. Uh, you know, Maynard wasn't doing tracks with Limp Biscuit. He did a song with the Deftones. And I, even though I think that Tool then and now we're not the gold stamp of everything that some people may make them out to be the fact that he took the time to do this song with them, I think did give them some credibility that they didn't actually need to seek out, but I'm sure there's some people out there that, uh, maybe check this album out because he popped up on it. And I, I hope they continued to look through the rest of the, the catalog.
2: Yeah. I remember at the time too, being pretty stoked on seeing Maynard show up. Um, you know, I had, I'm not as big of a tool fan as you guys are, um, but I definitely loved um, undertow and anema um, quite a bit. So, uh, and one thing that that Maynard does well is, you know, when he wants to, he can lock into a, a, a really rocking rhythm or, uh, and, and melody. And um, you'll find that as catchy as anything the instruments are doing. And I find that the case in this particular song. Um, I do like their back and forth, and I actually think lyrically. And I could have this all wrong. I I, I am being skeptical. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm being. Um, I'm having to do a lot of uh, interpretation here, so I may be wrong. But I feel like it's pretty risky. I mean, at least in the, in the metal scene, in the fact that, uh, you know, it is a sexy song. It is a song about sex and cars, but it's also a song about. Um, maybe afterwards going for a drive and you're basically putting your life in the hands of the driver and that kind of like vulnerability. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's some fun lyrics. I, (laughs) I, I do love that. The, the, the night air is curious, I think is great. Um, the Chrome buttons, buckles, and leather surfaces. These are another lucky, lucky witnesses to whatever happened in that car. Um, and uh, you know i i think at some point with tool i i think i was unfair to them i just um i think what i liked about them was uh how you know maynard could rock as a lyricist and at some point the band did go into like a prog thing which i th- i think is totally respectable i just didn't follow him down that road um but this him singing here reminds me what i like about you know like jesus blows his fucking whistle and you know the uh the, California, what was it, uh, Arizona Bay, those songs, um, from those albums. I, I, I really did like, uh, I think I, I, I guess I just had a little nostalgia moment for this podcast, listening to Maynard do his thing. Um, the song itself, uh, in the third verse, it gets all spaced out. It gets a little dubby. Uh, gu- guitar is actually playing like a jazz keyboard. And, uh, uh, I, yeah, I think this song is a lot of fun. Um, it is kind of a bit of stunt casting, but I'm okay with it. And, um, it's good. Uh, there's a remix by Mike Shinoda from Lincoln park. Um, <laughs> there's some like trap drum programming over it. It sounds like Lincoln park backing this. And you know what? I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I never really listened to Lincoln park. Um, uh, but when you have that kind of like, uh, backing electronic meets hip hop meets rock, super processed guitar rock, uh, with Chino and and Maynard singing. It sounds okay to me. Um, so a lot of thoughts there on passenger, Mark.
0: So passenger, I mean, uh, this hit at the right time for me. Um, I was in the height of my tool fandom. I still really enjoy tool. I don't think the, uh, the day starts and stops on tool by any means. I think they're a very, very, very important band in our modern uh, rock history. I do think that uh, we forgot to mention that this isn't the first male vocalist appearance on this record, but Scott Weiland actually, uncredited, um, was on the Prescription Queen track. I forgot to mention that. Um, But here we actually get some full-on islands in the stream between Maynard and uh, Chino, which... I always love a good rock duet.
2: <laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that. That good, good, good call.
0: <laughs> a little back and forth. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a shame that a music video was never actually created for this track because I could picture it. I could picture two guys sitting shotgun in an old car with you know a front bench seat like an old Oldsmobile, just singing at each other, driving through the night. Maynard's probably not actually there. He's actually probably a figment of Chino's imagination. And they're just driving through that aforementioned country night. And
1: geez, you could just, they could just remake the never let me down video. You got it. That's what
0: I'm saying. Exactly. Uh, Maynard is a ghost or his dark side, or if you really want to go in Dexter terms, his dark passenger. And yeah, this song whips ass. I mean, it's fucking great. Uh, It's very cinematic. Uh, Both vocalists are absolutely selling the hell out of their vocal performances you're feeling it deep down, um you know listening to on uh headphones, Maynard definitely has this kind of like gentle sound to him that you know it's it's the Maynard sound, and I think that it it does work well with Chino's vocal style. I feel like it does make a little bit of a peanut butter cup, chocolate, and peanut butter folks you can't go wrong with that combo um. Yeah, that's that's the passenger. I like it quite a bit. Yes, it if you don't look at tool in a very high regard, this song can really bum you out. But honestly, it's it's a great track. It's I don't think they honestly do this very often. Um I can't think of any other vocal duet in any other Deftones track. This is like a one and done thing. And uh good for them. They got it out of their system, but they had some really strong results, in my opinion.
1: Uh, they've had guest appearances, like Max shows up on Head Up, but yeah, it's not really. It's not a. It's not a yeah, he's
0: he's more adding to the mix, exactly. Yeah. But uh, Maynard, like it's Dolly and Kenny going at it.
1: I'd like to hear a cover of "Of, of Islands in the Stream" by these two.
0: <laughs> Who wouldn't? Alright, let's get to the penultimate track on White Pony, uh, the one that uh, really just puts him on the map, if you ask me, and that is Change, Parentheses, and the House of Flies.
2: in the House of Flies, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, wonderful track, um, uh, leaning in to their, their, their just washed out shoegazy, uh, guitars, um, uh, Chino doing his, just his, his earworm crooning, I mean, I mean, his, his vocals get stuck in my head, um, you've got a song, once again, it's almost like a follow-up. It's almost like a more mature version of "Teenager." Um, you know, I watched you change. It's like you never had wings. Now you feel so alive. I've watched you change. It's basically like uh, you've got a couple. Uh, once again, I'm gonna go back to the the maggot um, theme. But Chino maybe feels like the maggot. He's 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 the one that's not changing. He's. Uh, and he's sitting there watching, um, as whoever he's singing to, uh, changes into a fly, grows wings and leaves. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I think it's good. It, it, there's a lot of like, give give you the gun, blow me away. Just if you're going to leave, you're going to fly away the heartbreak that goes with that. There's some good, like, um, Catholic guilt. I look at the cross, then I look away. I mean, his vocal, like he is putting on a show with his vocals. It's like, uh, it's dramatic, and he's and he's and he's pulling it off, but not in like a, it's just subtle enough to seem like a rock vocalist and not like a stage performance. And 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 I mean that in the in the best way. He's he's very effective. Um, you know, uh, this it's one of his best vocal performances. Um, he's got this kind of broken emotive verse and then this sustained shriek for the chorus it's wonderful i i'm a huge fan of this song at top marks i know it you know obviously it's the big single it's been in a ton of movies such as uh queen of the damned and uh little nicky um but uh huh. <laughs> uh but it's because it's because uh, it's a jam it's a banger it is can't help it. Um, and I like how with the, the kind of fly maggot thing, it, it it larva. It fits into the, that theme, um, the bookend songs. Um, so good. You get a little remix by tourist who does like a washed out Moby version <laughs> with like, vo- uh, vocal samples and a catwalk beat for this track. It's actually one of my least favorite remixes, but the original, Oh boy, close to my heart, Steve. Change. Oh. oh yeah. This
1: song, I remember the, I don't remember the first time I heard it, but I remember the impact of just being like, Whoa, like I, I like the Deftones, but now I think I love the Deftones. That's definitely how good this song was the first time I heard it, especially for whatever else I was listening to at the time, uh, around the turn of the century, as in, in, into the, into the new metal, into discovering, uh, better metal, no offense, new metal, uh, it's an industrial guy still um, loved, you know, d- d- dabbled in the gothic. Um, and this song seemed to be like s- smashing all those things together or or more like more like, you know, putting them together almost uh, clinically. Um, it just seemed like something like a, a type of music I never really heard before, but that that, that I wanted to hear when I heard this song. And I don't remember if I saw the video the first time I heard it, but I do also remember when I first saw the video being like, whoa, I thought I knew who the deftones were, but apparently there's a lot more going on there with these guys. And so you've got that, that video where it's uh it's, it is got some more eyes wide shut style stuff going on. There's people with animal masks. There's people lying around. It looks like it's the aftermath of some party. And sometimes it looks like a party still going on. Uh, a lot of imagery of sweaty women in lingerie, which is going to be a reoccurring visual theme on some of their album covers. Um, it's just a, it's a pretty cool video, and you, you've got the band playing in, in this house that uh, looks like the you know that's a, the, the party at four a.m., which does help with the late night vibe of this record. Um, yeah, there's some kind of metaphor going on here lyrically. And and again, the I mean, the word fly is right in the, the lyric title, but there's there's a ton of uh, uh, mutation and uh, changing going on here. Uh, like we talked about this, this album was kind of a change of their sound. The song sings about seeing somebody else change. And I can't really ever tell if the change they're witnessing is good or bad uh, either way. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me because the feel of this this song is what I'm here for. The atmosphere of this track. Um, the atmosphere is what it's all about. And this is like a song that I like so much, I can I can listen to it a few times in a row. Uh, same with the next track. They're, they're repeater tracks for me. As soon as they're done, I want to listen to them again. And in addition to some of the cool atmospheric effects that Frank Delgado brought to the band with this song, this album and this song really i think you hear chino the rhythm guitar player coming into the play and this is definitely a track where you can hear him helping with some of the the guitar melodies they're going for and i believe that live he would bring a guitar out as well if i try to remember to see them live uh, for this song um and you can't beat the you can't beat the the vocalizations on this one that uh the ah uh, ah uh, uh. Ah, 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 especially towards the end of it, the, the the track where then the drums are really going like there's some there's some drumming on this song, some kick ass drumming in the uh, in the close of the song where uh, Abe's going off. And that, uh, that. That 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 whole section with the riff just feels good. It's got a good feel. The song kind of washes over you. It's, it's something, man. It's a, it's a magical song. What do you think, Mark?
0: This is the one. Uh, this is the one it's a monumental song uh, I feel that this went on if you could define this band this is this is the song uh, it is showcases their maturity it showcases how tight of a unit they are um, everyone is just the songwriting is so good on this track so good everyone shows up with their a game Uh, this is every puzzle piece falling in line I could listen to this song just like you said uh, probably every day and never get sick of it it just has just sweeping sweeping moments it's an epic song Uh, when the band all comes in during the chorus uh, I'm that gif of Vince McMahon falling over in his chair (laughs) with his (laughs) eyes rolled back in ecstasy (laughs) It's just like when it hits it, it fucking demolishes me It is such a great song uh, The rest of the song is The, the vocalizations, how it ends uh, It's just so well structured um, If the band decided to run for the mayor of Sacramento Like the full band Like if it was a Scooby-Doo cartoon uh, Just based, this was their only campaign message I would absolutely vote for them <laughs> yes. the song is so good i love it i love it so much i love it so much in one i said in contention it's, it's so like this song is so strong so yeah good. so good change in the house of flies you may as well just it's it's printing money folks the song is so good um so with that i mean i i feel like i'm like fangirling out uh unless you guys have any other follow-ups
1: no let's let's talk about the closer which I think uh is perfectly placed after this song
0: it really is and that closer pink maggot <laughs>
1: like we talked about the dynamic of this album is some tracks that have a lot of atmosphere that expand and contract and then you're going to get hit with a a loud, loud one and I think it's pretty cool that Change in the House of Flies definitely has a wide sound but it's not aggressive but it gets big, it really gets big at the end of that track and I like how it kind of just ends the way it does and they let things sit for a little bit going into the closing track Um, Pink Maggot I think is like seven minutes long Um, and the first minute and a half to two minutes is quiet atmospherics with Chino really breathing the vocals like he, he he not even really singing. He's kind of talking very, he's doing his heavy breath thing. And, uh, and at the end of uh, towards the end of this opening section, like he, like he brings out like the, the, the line, like, cause I'll uh, for, so forget about me cause I'll stick you. And that section of it, he, he drags it out and kind of like his voice cracks, but he's not yelling. It's, uh, It's pretty haunting, actually, but then it goes into the into the track proper and the guitar riff to this track just gets me, man. It's another one. I don't know if if Steph or uh, Chino wrote the uh, guitar riff to this one, but it's it's very simple, but it's uh, it's very catchy. It's very pretty and it has some of the same lyrics from the opening track or the fake opening track of a mini maggot talking about pushing back the square and uh, now that you need her and going back to school where the, you're the leaders and the lyrics on this version of the song actually make less sense to me than they do on the more aggressive song, because this song is definitely, this is an airplane flies high type meandering shoegaze song. This is the end there's nothing really aggressive about the music in this track. Um, and now that I say that out loud, that reminds me that the uh, team sleep covered the airplane flies high live and it all makes sense now. But uh, yeah, I've always been a very big fan of this closing track. I think it's a sense of just feeling and vibe is amazing. The, the transpose or stop your lies, the way that's delivered. I, I love the way that line is delivered. And the song takes a long time to get going. And when you're, when you're going with it, when you're in the air, I, I, I think there's nothing better. I just, the, 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 the feeling this song gets me is great. And, uh, much like the last track, as soon as it's done, I could listen to it again, which is strange for a very meandering closing track, but they stick the landing. In my opinion, the way, the 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 way this song meanders is it, it works for me it's beautiful the song is very beautiful and uh it fascinated me 20 years ago and it still fascinates me now i'm always excited to listen to this song and it it ends with a heartbeat i'm a sucker for that i'm a, i don't know if it's because a uh, dark side of the moon or what struck me as a kid but whenever a band ends an album on a heartbeat i'm sure there's a few of them i i'm I'm there for it and on top of that it has a robot voice talking about something. And I've never taken the time to figure out exactly what that, what that speak and spell is speaking about at the end of the record. I kind of like having that mystery there, but it all works together. The, the gaze, meandering heart beating speak and spell of this track is a great closer for this solid record.
2: Yeah. This is a good one. This is a good one. I think I've overused shoegaze on this album because I think the Deftones do what maybe Smashing Pumpkins does. Like you said, Steve, um, uh, when I think of shoegaze, I think of like noisy feedbacky guitars, but repetition, but they're, you know, the repetition repeats so much that it becomes the melody and you can't help but get sucked into it. And, you know, well also, but letting, letting, letting notes breathe too. I yeah. think. Yeah. Not being afraid of the, the empty space too, in between those, those, um, repetitive riffs. And, um, I think on a few tracks on here, Deftones, you know, really master that. Um, and this is one of those, um, I think actually, believe it or not, I, I, I like you, Steve, I've always enjoyed this as a closing track. It's, it's big, it's epic. Um, when they get to those, those hooks, um, they're catchy, but each one builds on the last. Uh, but <laughs> for this experience, having uh mini maggot back to school, be the opening track. Uh, it's just fun hearing that hook, uh, that melody, um, like the callback to it, but now being slowed down a little bit more Epic and a little bit more, um, forlorn. Um, this is, yeah, this is a great closer. Uh, I kind of already talked on the lyrics because it's not too different from the opening track except the opening track adds some rap verses um, it's still triumphant in its own way um, even though it's got a an, an a layer possibly a layer of of strife to it um, great closer though and I love I love how every instrument towards the end starts digitizing uh, what did you call that <laughs> uh, digital uh I don't know, whatever your band was called, but digital decay, digital decay. Every instrument kind of goes through that as it goes into the heartbeat and the robot voice. Great closer. Love it. Mark.
0: Great closer. No, no doubt about it. Um, The radio head of metal are ever present on this track. You got Chino hitting those high notes like Tom York would do. Um, And. Uh, just a real slow burn up until that chorus, and then as soon as push back the square, you know, hits, um, it's game over, man. As uh, our friend of the show and re- may he rest in peace, Bill Paxton, say, uh, Sean, This song should be played at every graduation in high school, if you ask me. It just has that culminating, we've done it, like feel to it, you know, like it. Uh, It certainly has expanded my vocabulary with the word transpose, not something I use in my daily life. Uh, Apparently, the definition is certainly something around change. And uh, that is a theme that is ever present in this record. It's a theme that the Deftones themselves seem to be embodying about how they're maturing as artists and not wanting to be pigeonholed anymore by just one subset of a genre so good for them good for this record good for this song so pink maggot and at the end yeah it certainly sounds like a russian code um being deciphered and uh if you'll excuse me i probably have to do like some sort of assassination now after listening to this record over and over and over again good track good record thanks for for coming (laughs) yeah
2: yeah oh it's good yeah i i i we're all pretty simpatico with a few exceptions on this,
0: on this particular certainly are. So uh, I know that there was a bonus track uh, featured off the special edition called boys Republic Um, uh, boys. I I didn't uh, take the time to go back and revisit it. I think I did once. I even had the special edition, but I don't have a track of it. I don't know if you guys did, but if you do lay your comments here,
3: Uh, God
2: damn it. that's usually my job uh is it like an ac- is it like an acoustic song i feel like i, I it's not I, oh no it's not but speaking
0: of acoustic song um i did have a dvd called deftones live in hawaii and it did have an acoustic version of change in the house of flies that i think was featured off of the Nikki sound little Nikki soundtrack mm. very good the acoustic version of that track is very yeah, good it's on the b-sides but, uh, the
2: b-sides album yeah yeah solid uh yeah, unfortunately I did not. I was too wrapped up in these uh these fun remixes. Speaking of remixes, there's a Square Pusher remix for this last track. Uh and we've talked about Square Pusher quite a bit. That, uh, you know, uh he does some fun some fun shit and he he runs this whole song through all of his processors. Um and uh I don't know, just makes it makes it pretty uh pretty enjoyable, pretty fun to hear him uh tweak Tweak this particular uh track. I like
1: I like that uh I like that remix.
2: Yeah, I listened to that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Always, Square pusher is good. Always He's a uh, Apex it, twin though. with a
0: bass.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Always fun when he sh- when he pops up on something. Alright, well, shall we rank this bad boy?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So uh out of uh let's let's break format, boys. Out of ten ponies, Ooh. how many ponies? Uh, I thrown curveballs tonight. Mm. How out of ten ponies, all in the color of white, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, how many uh, ponies you giving this bad boy? All right, I'll go. Go, 1st Let's go up to ten. I'll
2: go first. Uh, I'm gonna give this nine out of ten ponies. So close to a perfect album. Um, Yeah. And that being said, there's not a single skippable track on here for me. Um, I love the emotional crooning. Uh, you know new romantic eighties influence on, on metal. I, I love the whole sound. It's perfect. Just occasionally uh, the sound and the subject matter falls a little bit into uh, uh, just, just, just is a, falls a, a little bit uh, uh, immature. It doesn't necessarily fit the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the band's maturing at this time. There's a few tracks that fall a little bit below where they're at. Um, but I can't, I can't, I can't penalize them more than one single point for that. Uh, because even those tracks are still wonderful.
1: Nine out of 10. Well, since I'm not, since I'm not a lyrics guy, as much as Eric is, uh, the, any, any immature missteps of which I don't really think there are any, there are times where the lyrics maybe me go, Hmm, but, uh, nothing, nothing outlandish. It doesn't get, it doesn't lose a point, uh, for that. And uh, you know, there are no skippable tracks. It's It's it sequenced perfectly. i I think that even when they tacked on another track that they were forced to put on, it actually made the album even better than it originally was. Um, it It set a course of somebody used the name Transcendental Metal for them, which I think is awesome and very very perfect descriptor for them this set the course for this band that they would follow one way or another for decades. Um, None of their other albums sound exactly like this, but the, uh, the, the direction they went in, I think definitely it starts here. This is a, as Mark always calls it the departure point. And, (laughs) and I, you know, i loved this album 20 years ago. I love it now. Whenever I revisit it, I'm stoked. It's just extremely solid. And, It gets 10 ponies gets the number 10.
0: Oh my God. Stop the presses folks. Perfect album. That is Steve's first perfect album of the season. Uh, Actually, no, I take it back. It was uh, Henry's dream. That was a perfect album for him. So good for you, (laughs) Stephen. Now there's Uh, two. (laughs) Now there's two, as they say.
1: And and, and if, if someone were to like, you know, like grade the comments against the grades, I am way more enthusiastic about this than I am Henry's dream and I love Henry's dream. So there is the math don't don't try to do the math folks just go with it all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I am uh right there I'm super close. Um I think it's a it's a solid 9.8 um, I feel like the only little bit that, uh, does get me a little bit out of the record is the song Teenager. Um, but it is not a skippable track. There's not a bad track on this record. Um, but man, it, it comes super close. And I have to admit, like, spending a few weeks with the Deftones has made me love this band that I have never actually, uh, have felt strong feelings for. I always thought they were a great band, but now, um, just actually going through their discography has made me feel like this band is uh, just undeniable. They're untouchable. Um, if you're sleeping on the Deftones, uh, you're just you're not living a full life. Is my assessment after coming out of just spending so much time with them. So, the Deftones, great band, White Pony. Could be a near perfect record, and uh, maybe in my more mature years, when I'm maybe fifty, looking back on this, I'll say that is a perfect record. But the departure point, Deftones, they're on their way to becoming a quintessential, important band in our modern rock history. So good for them.
2: Couldn't agree more. It's been a it's been a pleasure reacquainting myself with them and catching up on the albums I missed. Um, and they don't show any signs of slowing down. Ohms is, uh, uh, no exception to what they're capable of. Yeah. They're so, they're so consistent. You almost want them to stop
1: so they don't mess it up. That's, uh, why, you know, Ohms might be a good place to stop, but I don't, I don't want them to, but that's uh that they have a, just a consistent batting average?
0: Absolutely. I mean, um just a underrated sleeper band that just continues to churn out just solid records. And it's proud to say that they're come from our hometown. So I know that we've thrown a lot of episodes at you audience uh, listeners around the Sacramento rock history with a couple interviews and then our band history with Deftones and now the analysis. So it's been quite a little bit of a mini episode, mini series, limited series, I guess you would say within our series. So but it is time to say goodbye to the Deftones. It's, it's time to say goodbye to Sacramento history rock. Um, it, and it's time to roll the dice. Eric, what's coming up next?
3: I mean, I have seen some movies where I'm like, yo, there's some pink puffy bullshit. I mean, Hello Kitty posters and chocolate.
1: Very little, I'm afraid. Would you like to?
3: He's looking at you, kid. Come on, let's shag ass. I have a
0: feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Home (sighs) life.
3: Stupid TV. Never should have gotten it off eBay. Woo! Alright! Yeah! When you need a used car, pussy cow,
2: pussy cow. When you need a used car, pussy cow, pussy cow. Buy a car for your wife, she'll love you all your life. Pussy cow, pussy cow. Hey y'all, this is Cal Worthington and my dog Spot. Did you know that if a a dealer drives a brand new car on the freeway for even just one mile they legally have to declare it as a used car? It's true! And I have about a thousand used cars here at my lot. You can do what you will with that information. So come on down to Sacramento's own Cal Worthington Chevrolet, car lot right here off floor road. And you never know what kind of used car you're gonna get. Ain't that right, Spot?
4: you might be asking yourself, who's that sexy-ass, tuxedo-wearing, mutton-chop-habin motherfucker right there? Hi, it's me, Paul, from the Diamond Center, your favorite jewelry chain from right here in the heart of Sacramento. Why would you blow your money on cows, used lemons when you can walk out my door with an engagement ring for your sweetheart tonight? That's right. No money down and reasonable financing. The Diamond Center will make sure you get laid tonight. I don't think Cal can make that same guarantee. Unless his dog's bark is in heat.
0: Uh, hey, y'all.
2: Cal here again. Uh, I know some of my local competitors that I think I sell lemons. Well, I, I don't. All our cars are checked front and back before selling. Trust me. They, they work fine. I may have told an interesting anecdote about California law and selling used cars, and I'm Pretty sure we got a couple cars that have only been driving a mile on the freeway. Don't listen to no blood diamond salesman in a, in a tuxedo uh, trying to lock you into a 30-year payment plan for some uh, cubic zirconia. Trust me, the old cowpoke who just wants to sell you some used cars. Ain't that right, Spot? <laughs> yeah, in hey, fact, we're, we're, we're throwing a celebration this weekend, celebrating 50 years of loyal service. Come on down. Local band, Simon Says, will be playing. Uh, my wife, Louise, can be making some sweet potato pie. Uh, Pod Like a Whole, local podcast will be here, DJing the whole thing. Come on down, celebrate with us, buy some cars.
4: <laughs> Ain't that cute? Cal is trying to win you all over by throwing a party at his shitty car lot. He always got a gimmick. Monkeys, birds, and his now his dog, Spot? That is a tiger, motherfucker. That is not a dog. And now he's trying to throw some lame party. Yeah, uh, you know uh, that bandito hired Simon Says, because the better local band, the Deftones, were already booked this weekend at my, at my parking lot. That's right, they're playing back-to-back shows in my parking lot to celebrate my, 40th anniversary. That's right, 40 years young. And we've got a, a, <clears throat> a new Sega Genesis plugged into the television in, the, in a back room, and we got you got a make-out room for you frisky teens. And, 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 and screw Pod like a whole, couple of amateurs. I've got Sacramento's Golden Boys, the discographers, uh, doing my party, DJing it. So shoot, come on in. Before 11, I'll even drive you around the block to my Camaro. And you know where I didn't buy my Camaro? Cal Worthington's. And you know why? Uh, because it ain't a lemon. That's not where I'm going to spend my hard earned money, and it sure as hell ain't where you're going to spend yours. Sketchy Car lot or Paul's Fuck Center. Come on, make the right choice. Come on down and buy some diamonds.
2: Hi there, this is Louise, uh, Cal's wife. I regret to inform you that Cal's no longer with us. You see, after nobody showed up to our... 50th anniversary celebration, he tied himself to two F-150s and had two of our bo- boys drive it in opposite directions. Um, yeah, he's left me with a lot of pills here. Uh, specifically, uh, uh, our DJs, the boys from Pod Like a Hole, so if you want to go to their Patreon page, if you like chipping and helping me out, go to patreon.com slash podlikeahole, throw them a few uh, through a few cents. I, I got a lot to deal with here. I, I don't even think Cal has fed spot in weeks. Uh, nice doggy. Nice doggy. Ah! Ah! Mhm. Yep. Let me get it. Sure. Let me let me get it. Um, that being said, I mean, if you if you guys ever need me to green if you guys ever need me Rena to follow Apple you around me. a parking lot with a boombox playing Deftones, if you get to a low point in your life, you know I'll be there, right?
0: Absolutely. Right there. No question.
2: All right. All right. What's screaming, next? Screaming cheetah wheelies. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? That's a 20. That's a nat 20. A 20.
0: All right. So that brings us to the bottom of our list. Um and that is one of Steve's uh recommendations and we're going to run the Jewels with their fourth record, Run the Jewels 4. Looking for Ms, like I lost a jump out of my bed like
3: bread? you go hold the Wait bring a check when we talk we call it the call. keep us your uh,
0: released thoughts. June 3rd 2020 and that will be an exciting talk because another hip-hop record
2: oh hot damn
0: and one of Steve's heroes
2: yeah I feel like we're in uh we're we're like we got two summer albums back to back this is great
1: yes definitely another summer record it's a... Uh... Yeah, from from clipping to the Deftones to run the jewels. Uh, there was a... what was in between clipping and, and Deftones? Anything?
0: No. Nothing, Not nothing a thing. Yeah.
1: interesting, uh, one, two, three. There's some there's some threads to follow there in different directions. They're definitely a a street and hip hop thread somehow, even though all three of those bands are completely different, but their genesis does come from some some rap music. So that's fun. But uh this will be great. This, yeah, uh, going to go go deep on 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 LP and Killer Mike, and uh, I I could probably we could probably do the the episode right now. And even though I wouldn't know all the details in every track, I could I could I could do a I could I could do a tight thirty minutes just talking about LP. But uh, why don't we why don't we not do that and come back in a couple of
2: weeks and do it? i mean we could correct just correctly. keep rolling man that would be yeah that would be something i hate myself <laughs> at work tomorrow but we would yeah why not no but but to mark's point yes
1: uh lp jamie maline the guy is one of my heroes and uh yeah he's uh he's he's kind of the the trent reznor of uh, hip-hop in a way to me and i look forward to it sure. that's great
0: Absolutely. And Trent Reznor himself has worked with, uh, LP. So we'll be talking about that as well. I'm sure. So there you go. Um, well, thank you everyone for indulging me and my recommendation. I'm glad that we all uh, came out of this with sunny dispositions and, uh, high marks all across the board. But for you listeners out there, as always, this has been Mark, Eric, and I'm Steve. And this episode is supposed
1: to be uh, no longer than 90 minutes
0: but look at that uh with some slicing and dice and we hopefully we'll get it down to that but uh as of this raw recording we're at two and a half hours so we hope that ultimately we brought you closer to pod